0: Minwax knows that when your client wants something specific, you want to give it to them. So stop by Lowe's and get some Minwax. Limitless premium colors? Minwax has them. Professional results? Guaranteed. So you can give clients beautiful wood floors, cabinets, trim. I could keep going, but I'm out of time. Keep on finishing with Minwax, America's number one selling brand of interior stains and clears. Available at Lowe's
1: to do dad duty here. Yes, sir. Come here. Good night, buddy. No, they can't see you. I gotta hurry. Mwah. Good night, bud. Can I have a bit more time? No. Okay, up. All right, sorry, guys. Had to do the father thing there. And uh, we've got like 30 seconds. Pen man. Good to have you here. Carfuny Bray, lovely Lisa Con- uh, where are we? Compton, there we go, and Simon Condon, how you doing? Flash forward, good to see you, and I think we are almost caught up here. And lovely Lara, nice to have you here. Pono, how are you, man? Nice to have you back. All right, guys, we got 20 seconds left, and if I haven't called your name, I do apologize. Music maker, Goth White, nice to see you. Kentucky Robert, nice to have you back. But uh, Super Chat is open, hey River Dogma, and is a good way to support this show. Otherwise, guys, it's time. Horns up. Let's rock. of Central British Columbia to you listening around the world. This, my friends, is Spaced Out Radio. I am your host, Dave Scott, sitting in the Captain's Chair of SOR Headquarters. We welcome you to tonight's show and our terrestrial affiliates around North America, digitally on Odyssey Radio talk stream live at KPNL all of our archives are free join us at youtube.com forward slash spacedown radio do old Navy the favor hit that subscribe button you can follow us on twitter at spaced radio instagram at spaced radio show and on tiktok at spaced radio our website is spaced radio.com we have a plethora of features for you. Rock out to Bumblefoot. Read Shirky Pooh's Newswire. Check out our swag as well. Tonight's show is brought to you by Chive Charities. Help make the world 10% happier by visiting Chive Charities today. You can find a on our website. We got a great show for you tonight. Luke Lamana is here from Wartime Stories YouTube channel to tell us some harrowing paranormal tales. Then, in hour number three, we're going to bring you another spooky story from the swamp, courtesy of Swamp Dweller. Super Duke brings us the Cryptid Report, and Shirky Poo has the news. For the horror or true crime enthusiast, we, uh, we at Wartime Stories covered the most chilling cases of crimes against humanity. The mystery lover that will find the bizarre tales, unsolved mysteries, espionage, deceptions and creepy encounters with the paranormal. The man behind wartime stories is Luke Lamana, an 8-year Marine Corps vet. First enlistment, serving five years as a radio reconnaissance marine and intel specialist, followed by a second enlistment, serving three years with the Marine Corps Special Operations Command as a special operations cable intel specialist. Suffered a back injury in service, and he was medically discharged under honorable conditions in 2017. Now Luke works full-time at Wartime Stories on YouTube, animating bizarre stories from war, military service, and beyond we are so glad to have luke back on spaced out radio this time we got him for a full show he joined us a couple of months ago but now it's all about him man and we're glad to have you here luke thank you so much for joining us tonight
2: thanks for having me dave it's good to have you here. A weeks ago, actually it wasn't a couple of months i think it was only a couple weeks ago
1: no it was about uh, almost two months man it was back in april i work in the closet
2: forgive me <laughs> i don't see the sun much so Uh, The days blend together. That's my
1: bad. I know that feeling. I know that (laughs) feeling all too well. Luke, uh, first off, uh, being a former Marine, I want to say thank you so much for your service and dedication, not only to the United States, but to all of us here up in Canada and around the free world, because it's people like you who allow us the opportunity to enjoy the jobs we have like we do at Spaced Out Radio. So thank you very much for your service.
2: Hey, I'm half Canadian too, so, you know.
1: Even better. Even better. That's <laughs> some
2: steak. Even yeah. better.
1: We got one, guys. We got a good one here. But uh nonetheless, <laughs> uh you're someone who uh developed a YouTube channel that has become very successful very quickly regarding telling stories. And for you, how did you get this started? What made you uh, find this passion?
2: Uh if if I'm being honest, you know I did I was doing a lot of public speaking both in the military, um, and then after I got out, um, doing like sales presentations, and I had a lot of people tell me that I should look into getting into radio, um, and when multiple people tell you that over several years, it's it just it sticks in your brain, and then I I met a guy at the DMV, um, and he told me he was taking a voiceover class at a local college I happen to be going to that same college at the same time I ended up signing up for the next class and I decided YouTube might be a good place to start uh, practicing Um, and I was inspired by my the the channel that ended up taking me on as a partner channel which is uh, bedtime stories and so I ended up kind of mimicking their format and I reached out to them and I told them hey this is I'm trying to do this on my own and trying to you know kind of copy you guys. What do you guys think? And well, that's when they took me on as a partner channel. So, um, yeah. And, and of course, coming from the military, I was very intrigued by some of the more bizarre military stories that had been featured on bedtime stories. And so that was kind of my forte As I want to kind of expand on these. I started, you know, you, you barely have to do any digging and you find out that there's a lot of weird stories from, uh, combat experience or, you know, peacetime military. So, I knew I'd have a lot of material to work with and that's what, that's what started it.
1: Now you got a voice of the gods, man, that we call in radio. <laughs> you, you do. And, uh, you know, unlike me, uh, you don't have a face for radio. I do, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know, and, and, I know. and I gotta say, I have listened to numerous amounts of, of your channel. I, and, and our good friend swamp dweller around here and I, there is something about these storytelling channels that is just so unique and and so riveting that it just, it blows my mind that there are this many stories out there. Why did you decide to focus strictly on military stories?
2: Well, uh, you know, bedtime stories being when they took me on as a partner, certainly, but even before the fact, I don't know, you know, I, I, I you know 8 years in the Marine Corps um they don't exactly teach you everything about military history you only get like you really you know, if you wanted to learn more you'd have to read it yourself um, but probably the the Marine Corps background I, I just I kind of gravitated towards war and military and and once I started just even reading a few stories about war crimes or some of these more bizarre gruesome um and then certainly the paranormal um it I had maybe had a few guys talk about paranormal experiences with me and I never maybe took them that seriously. And then I started to reflect on some of the things that I I had experienced and probably just brushed off as being kind of conventional or just hallucinations or my imagination playing tricks on me. And, you know, I, I, I figured if I'm going to, if I'm going to tell stories, I've got the military background to work with and there's more than enough material the, you know, I don't need to spend my time doing anything outside of it. Um, to, to have years worth of material for this channel. And I certainly, I don't expect to run out anytime soon. So probably probably the military background that drove that more than anything.
1: What was the reaction or what has been the reaction from a lot of your fellow uh, soldiers who have served, soldiers and officers, when they hear your channel and they're like, wow, this is amazing?
2: What, you know, what I didn't expect more than anything... Um obviously I you know, I think they enjoy the stories. Um but I more than anything, what the channel has kind of evolved into is a place for people who have had these very bizarre experiences but maybe don't feel comfortable sharing them. Um or simply they're just not experiences you can talk about. You know, like I, I would I, I hate to equate the two because I know they're not necessarily the same, but When you talk to a combat veteran, there's a lot of things they won't share with you unless they know that you've actually been in combat yourself. My grandfather was one of them, and he didn't even talk to me about his Marine Corps experience until he found out I was in the Marines. And I didn't even know that he served in Korea. you know. And he was at Chosen Reservoir, one of the bloodiest battles in the entire war. So I I, I get the sense that there's this reservation that people have about sharing their experiences when they know that other people won't understand them. And I've noticed that more than anything, and not just military, but civilians and everybody in between, I in the comment section or emailing me, I've had people reach out to me, but also especially just in the comment section, i get I get that a lot of people listen to these stories and then they say, this correlates with what I saw or I've had a similar experience or yeah, I just it it's it's with your question about veterans and, and certainly active duty military. I can't imagine that the stories that they're sharing with me or with you know other viewers on the channel in the comment section are stories that they would be sharing with their fellow service members unless unless they can because I, you know for you know fear of being ridiculed or just not taken seriously or and in a lot of cases maybe they don't even take the stories that seriously until they hear another story that reminds them and then they say, "Wow, you know what? I had something similar happen, and i I practically forgot about it until I heard this story, so um yeah, I, I didn't expect that. I, you know I thought I was just going to be kind of telling stories and you know having people listen. I didn't expect to kind of have people reach out to me and say, "Your channel is like giving me the courage to share my story kind of thing. so
1: well, you know what, for those of us who have never served, we don't know the bond between that brotherhood and sisterhood. We really don't. I mean, I couldn't even imagine what it's like. And I've got a number of friends who have served and, you know, done tours over in Afghanistan and Iraq and and so on and so forth. But, but for you, getting to know a lot of these veterans who are reaching out and telling their stories, I'm sure that a lot of this stuff, you know, may be quite relieving to them especially if some of them that who have major PTSD from seeing some of the things that they've seen.
2: Yeah. One of the, I mean, it was really, cause I started in a pretty traditional fashion where I was, the stories I was telling was, were just stories I found online. Um, I tended to lean more towards stories that I, that people hadn't heard or, you know, I could, if I went on YouTube and I, I looked up the story, either nobody else had done it. You know, I, I wanted to be original. I didn't want to just be a retread of the same old stories. Right. Um, but it wasn't until maybe, uh, last about a year ago, uh, I had one of my patrons to, uh, start emailing me and, and he offhandedly mentioned that he had some bizarre experiences. And of course I said, well, dude, I want to hear him. You know, you can't just say something like that without sharing them. And he started to expand on it. Fast forward a year later, his name's Robert. Um, he's, he, he lives in Tennessee. He served four years in the army back in the eighties. and, he has a number of bizarre experiences that when, when he first told me, right, it was, it was difficult for me to get past my own skepticism and take him seriously. You know, I was, I wanted to be respectful didn't, you know, and, and I didn't want to say, well, you know, you're full of crap, but of course I, I had a hard time kind of saying, dude, really? Like all of these things happen to you in four years while you're, but once I took the time to actually hear him out and, and, you know, years worth of back and forths and hearing a story. And I, of course I asked some pretty intense questions and, you know, I was more or less looking to, to kind of create a story that was comprehensive and, and, you know, told the whole story without any sort of, you know, anything left out. But certainly I was looking for contradictions, but at the end of it, and this is what I told my audience, because I, you know, I want to respect my audience and that I want them to understand that, I I can't disprove these stories any more than I can prove them because we we weren't there. But this man says that this is what happened to him. And by the end of it, after the impression of of speaking to this man and and, and how he communicated himself and the fact that I couldn't find any contradictions in his stories other than the fact that they're just very bizarre, I I, I just told my audience that, look, you know, take it up, you know, take it up with your, uh, you know, it's on you, whether you want to believe this man or not, but I have no reason to doubt him. And, and that was his experience, was the reason, the first time he had a bizarre encounter with a cryptid, actually, it was a, it was a very large snake down in Honduras. And when I say very large, this thing was apparently 80 feet long. And it attacked some cattle, and his entire team saw it. Well, the way his command treated him afterwards set the tone for the rest of his experience uh, in the military. Uh, which was basically, I, I can't report anything because they're gonna they're gonna punish me or they're gonna not take me seriously. I just got to keep my mouth shut. And,
1: and, and then he
2: happens to see other things, and and so he has this very shy nature now i think because of that
1: and and yet you know like even what we're seeing through the whole ufo flap the last few years is all of these pilots who who are now starting to come out bravely to talk about their close encounters with unidentified aerial phenomena and previous to this you would lose your wings you would you would lose your wings your career your pension and, you know, maybe not even get into, you know, a post-career flying commercial airlines or privately for, for somebody. I mean, there's a lot at stake when the military tells you to shut the hell up. You listen to that order until death do you part.
2: Yep. That is that is true. And I, and on that note, because I ended up doing a lot more UFO stories recently, um, stories submitted by fellow viewers, veterans as well as civilians, in, in, a, in a series I call The Smoke Pit, because that's a place where I can kind of get away with telling non-military stories, I think, because it's just kind of a, a like a fireside chat, a fireside. Um, but I, I did have one woman who commented the fact that her father, maybe her grandfather, was a pilot. And at one point, she said she asked him about if, she, if he had ever seen a UFO, and his response was exactly that. He's like, "If you're a, if you're a military pilot and you see a UFO, if you want to remain on flight status, you don't report it." So, you you wonder how many things, how many bizarre things have gone unreported simply for the fact that, yeah, you know, the military is not a place where you report something that's that unusual.
1: Hopefully, that opens up a little bit here,
2: certainly as certainly. as
1: what we're seeing. But you know, the fact that you know there's a lot of combat veterans and and special forces veterans and and military personnel in general who have been to some incredible places in this world you know whether it's bases in north america or in a in a wartime atmosphere where all of a sudden the bizarre happens you know and we're going to get into once we get past our break at the bottom of the hour uh, we are going to get into a number of these stories that you have covered over the years but for you does anything things surprise you anymore when you hear these stories
2: (laughs) uh good question well yeah i would i'm not going to say that you know i i i'm not ever going to be surprised again uh but Having gone from some like at the start, when I started this channel, you know, I, I listen to all of bedtime stories and bedtime stories. They cover a lot of cryptids. They cover a lot of bizarre stories. You know, they do the traditional like, you know, murders and things like that. But the, the cryptid stuff, it's terrifying. But before really starting the channel, I, I had no reason to, to need to believe any of it, you know, take any of it seriously. But now that I have people that I'm dealing with and talking to one to one that are sharing these very personal experiences with me experiences that like bring them to tears to have to relive I ha- I have to take it seriously and in- in- in then I have to at least take you know understand it and yeah uh, I am I-, I had no idea how bizarre the world really was um, before the last couple of years so yeah <laughs> another
1: another fellow marine in our chat room Dennis Zuniga. Thanks for coming on in, and thank you for your service. And another fellow Marine in our spreaker chat room, Bill WD forty, served from seventy four to nineteen eighty. You know, so they're all watching you, and they're uh, they're loving the fact that undeniable. we got you on tonight. <laughs> are you an experiencer yourself, Luke?
2: I, you know, I can't I can't claim to have any anything profound. Certainly, like Robert, you know, his stories that the, I, you know, those are undeniably bizarre um the experiences i've had i would have chalked up to uh hallucinations because of sleep deprivation going several days without sleep at times um and then there was at least maybe one experience that i completely uh forgot about until i actually did a story on my channel about ufo's where and i shared it on the last uh, the the last interview we did on 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 your show um but a, a ufo that i might have seen from an airplane could have been nothing i honestly don't know but i could not explain this light that was following beneath our plane, um, because it didn't, it didn't match up with any other explanation, how, you know, like a, a reflection off of the plane, the moon, it, cause it followed us for like hundreds of miles. So yeah, I, I might have, but it's one of those things. And that's, that's the experience I have is there's a lot of people who might've experienced something, but because they couldn't offer an explanation for it at the time, it just kind of fell to the wayside in, in their mind and they forgot about it or, Maybe years later, they were reminded of it when something came up like me. But yeah, that I, I can't claim to have anything profound. As a storyteller, how do you go
1: about putting your skepticism aside and allowing somebody just to tell their story and their experience without prejudging?
2: You know, there's there, there's a there's a thought that comes to mind because i do think about this a lot and and one of the things that i was taught in the military is you respect the rank not necessarily the 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 person so to speak and that's it's not a direct correlation but it just means that respect comes first and and when i'm dealing with people sure i've had people send me videos of things that i'm you know if i i I did an analysis on it i'm like i'm you know i sent it back to him like i'm i'm I don't mean to be disrespectful, but I'm pretty sure this is a bug. Like, this is, it's got wings. It's flapping around. I know it looks like it's off in the distance, but, but I'm, I'm sorry to say that I do think it's this. So, but I, it, but I'm not going to reject anybody. I, I will listen to anybody's story. I will h- hear them out and I will ask questions. Um, I, 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 I don't necessarily put aside my skepticism. I, I, I follow up on it and I, I ask questions that on things that don't seem to make sense and, and see if there's an answer to it. Um, and I don't do it to try to catch them in a lie. I do it because if I'm going to share their story with the audience, I, I want to look out for them. I want to look out for the, th- the sort of things that the audience might be skeptical of. And I want to be able to offer an answer to that preemptively. You know, I, that's why I do, that. you know, take time with these stories and ask all these questions. And I, I've i had some of the guys say, look, if you don't believe me, you don't. And I said, no, I'm, I'm not, you know, I know emails come across sometimes impersonal, but I'm just I'm trying to make sure that this comes across as legitimate and not with any contradictions that anybody could point to. So, because I I do have to admit that there's undoubtedly going to be people that make stories up. And it does do a discredit to the people who have had real experiences, much like, you know, we talk about stolen valor in the military and guys who walk around wearing uniforms that they didn't earn. So I I have to be careful, right? I, I can't just...
0: You just got a new client. Minwax is here to say congrats. So stop by Lowe's and get yourself a Minwax yellow can. We deliver premium one coat colors, quality finishes, and protection that lasts. So no matter how particular your client is about those kitchen cabinets, you can give them professional custom results guaranteed. Keep on finishing with Minwax, America's number one selling brand of interior stains and clears, available at Lowe's. Click the banner to learn more.
3: When you're going from brunch with the in laws to happy hour with your coworker crew, you need a wine that's made for any moment. With 70 calories per serving and 7% ABV, Kim Crawford Illuminate Sauvignon Blanc is full flavor wine with a refreshing taste. Buy Kim Crawford Illuminate at orderkimcrawford.com, also available in rose. Make it amazing. Kim Crawford Illuminate Sauvignon Blanc per five fluid ounce average analysis, calories seventy carbohydrates, four grams, protein zero grams, fat zero grams. Please enjoy our wines responsibly. Twenty twenty two constellation imports, Rutherford, California, USA.
2: Take everybody seriously, but I just do my due diligence and I and I investigate and I, I try to ask questions when I where it seems necessary to do so.
1: Luke LaManna, the man behind Wartime Stories YouTube channel, is our guest tonight on Spaced Out Radio. We got about two minutes left before we have to go to break at the bottom of the hour. Luke, do you have a favorite subject that you just can't get enough of?
2: It's becoming the paranormal. It's becoming the bizarre. I mean, I I started leaning, like, maybe people want to hear more of, like, the the murders, the war crimes, and stuff like that. But once I actually got into that, it's extremely difficult material to get through, especially, like, when you're talking about, like, the Holocaust and, and Crimes Against Children, stuff like that. I have three children. It's emotionally draining to have to do those stories. And and I don't think people, as much as I think the truth is valuable, a lot of people don't really want to bear that um, that knowledge. But uh, the paranormal um, never fails to amaze me and to intrigue me. So um, whether, you know, and I, I don't want to just focus on one aspect of the paranormal, but the more I can get, the better. So I I
1: kind of ask you this, though, because, you know, over the last hundred years, there have been some incredible stories dating back. You know, if we look in modern history, say from World War One on up, and, and it's getting harder and harder, you know, I mean, all the World War I veterans are now passed away. Uh, World War II veterans are encroaching on that centurion age. And now, you know, then in a few years, the, the Korean War veterans will be the same, and so on and so forth with Vietnam and, and whatever. Are the older stories more important right now than the newer stories?
2: I, I wouldn't say so, no. I mean, the older stories are going to be harder to find more material on. Um, or, you know, you're not, you're, not, 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 you're not going to be able to maybe talk to the person who experienced them. Um, so I, I, I tend to, fa- you know, as far as personal experiences or just generally these more bizarre stories, they seem to be more recent. Um, so I am, I am very interested, like with UFOs, to find, to, to find stories dating back to like World War II or even further uh, because it, it correlates and it kind of – it's a little freaky that these things have been happening for that long. And here I am in my 30s and I'm just now kind of finding out about these things. Like, you know, you, you really have to, I guess, be a part of a community that talks about them because they're not that uh, – not part of the typical conversation. But
1: Very true. What a great show we're going to have tonight. Luke LaManna from wartime stories youtube channel if you've never heard of it you're going to want to listen to it so just go on youtube hit that subscribe button ring that bell do the same for ours if you haven't already we'd appreciate it more wartime stories right after this on spaced out radio all right we're clear hi glenn john McEnroe, the pride of wimbledon mennonite abe good to see you And Kenneth Sean, thanks for coming on in. And uh, our resident artist, Dirty Filth, is going to be drawing here momentarily. He does art for us. It's actually kind of cool.
4: Can't hear anything.
1: It's because you're deaf. Oh, boy. And you're from Edmonton. Can't hear anything if you're from Edmonton. (laughs) Hi, Dizzy Blonde. (laughs) Welcome back. And... Oh, he, there he goes. He disappeared. He'll be back. He doesn't need to hear anything. All he has to do is draw cartoons. Major Lee, thanks for coming on in. This is fun so far, man. Thank you for doing this.
2: Thank you for inviting me. No, oh, this is easiest day of work I've had so far.
1: <laughs> well, we're enjoying it just as much, my friend.
2: Well, thanks for being here, guys. Thanks for listening.
1: Well, we got... We're 30 minutes in and we got 164 live right now. So that's kind of cool. That's kind of cool. The gorgeous cryptid Huntress. How are you? I sent you a note on um, Facebook Messenger. And uh, the piano key tie wearing Michael Cherry Pepsi Mike, they like to call him. Hey, Dirty Filth, how are you? Can you hear us now? Let's just mute him. That way we don't hear him swearing. Yeah. EMF, you're unbelievable. Oh, there we go. That felt good. Felt good. All the world's a stage. Thanks for joining us. And... uh yeah, man, we're going to get into it. We are going to get into it. TMI, good to have you here. When my little guy came down into the studio, he uh, uh,
5: yeah,
1: he was hoping to get an extended bedtime. He thought he could huh. suck me in for a few more minutes on his iPad. Awesome, Andy Svensson. Thanks for coming on in. Uh, Cherry Pepsi Mike I was wondering, Luke, are you familiar with Linda Moulton Howe, Navy SEALs claiming pyramids under Antarctica? Not really his style, I don't think. I,
2: I, I've heard I've heard of the story. Um, it's not one that I've researched, so I, I, I couldn't speak on it. Um, but I, I have heard some, probably fairly. It's like what you said, Dave. At this point, I'm I'm willing to believe it. Right? It's not something. I, oh. It's just, and, you know, pyramids under Antarctica. Yeah, right. Like I would look into it because the world is very old <laughs> and who's to say that there, there wasn't a civilization that lived in that part of the world. There's something underneath the ice mm-hmm. and whether it's just land or dirt, um, it's hard to say. So I, I have to see the evidence on it.
1: All right. We've got about, uh, two minutes here. Oh, this, this is, uh, one of our, our great new names here. Get off my lawn. Absolutely. That is awesome. Mr. Cowley, (laughs) thank you for the amazing super chat. Very much appreciate that. And thank you to Donnie, Surfjare, and Nicole for the amazing super chats. We really do appreciate the love and support helps us out each and every night. So thank you very much. And uh, we've got about 90 seconds here. This commercial break is like crawling today crawling it's like i want to get to these stories here questions in hour two guys you know that questions in hour two mm-hmm. Hmm.
2: somebody asked if the kandahar giant in afghanistan was real or fiction i mean i it's not a story i've done but um I'd be willing to believe it. I know Giants did exist. Uh, I don't know if they still do, but that was a very interesting story nonetheless. Applesauce, welcome.
1: The gorgeous Judy of Gaul, welcome back. All right, we've got about 35 seconds here. Uh, Yes, uh, Nicole and I are setting up the Vegas trip Uh very, very soon here, Mennonite Abe. And it's gonna be a gooder. Gonna be a gooder, buddy. We did a fan trip in April to to Vegas. It was fantastic. Unbelievable. We had like sixty people show up. It was great. All right. Very cool. Hold on everyone. We're gonna rock it out here. We got like three seconds. Second half hour of Space Down Radio is now underway. Thank you so much for taking the time to join us. We really do appreciate it. I want to remind you that if you miss portions of this show or others, check out our free archives at youtube.com forward slash spacedown radio. Do us the favor, hit that subscribe button. Our website is SpacedOutRadio.com. We have a plethora of features for you. Rock out to Bumblefoot, read Shirky Pooh's Newswire. Check out our swag as well. Follow us on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio, Instagram at Spaced Out Radio Show, and on TikTok at Spaced Out Radio. From the YouTube storytelling channel, Wartime Stories, Luke LaManna is here tonight. He's a former Marine who now lives his life telling stories from veterans and soldiers alike about the weird, strange incidents they have had while on tour? While at training, while in the air, at sea, it's an amazing, amazing channel that if you like good, true storytelling, hit up Luke's channel, Wartime Stories on YouTube, hit subscribe, ring that bell. Luke, welcome back.
2: Thanks again, Dave. Good to be back.
1: All right. (laughs) Let's start off with some Battlefield stories because there's a lot of high strangeness that has happened and some of the stories that have always intrigued me are from the older battles whether it's world war one world war two or even the korean war where you heard these stories of soldiers ghost soldiers coming around the trenches did you ever cover anything like that
2: i'm planning to mm-hmm. um I, I actually first touched it, I, my first ghost story was just recently beginning of may or yeah maybe end, yeah beginning of may end of Uh, April, Um, but because I've kind of gone in phases like from, you know, unsolved mystery to war crimes to cryptids, you know, and and I just got around to ghosts kind of slow in my production. It takes me like three weeks to make a video, but yeah, there's, I know what you're talking about and I've got a lot of stories. Uh, So either people are making stuff up or there's something to these stories.
1: There is a Canadian book out there of canadian ghost stories from the battlefield and this goes back to world war one and world war two so you may want to check that out for your research it, it's, uh, yeah
2: it's pre- I'll, I'll if you know the title email me well, well so I, I I'll, I'll see
1: if i can find it here during the next break but i mean it's it's pretty interesting man where you hear these soldiers where all of a sudden they turn and look and and their buddy who was killed like a week or two before comes walking Mm -hmm. through a trench and then turns a corner in that trench and is gone. I mean, or gets up and starts charging the enemy and, and you're like, what the hell is going on here? You know, and people are following, I mean, it's scary stuff, man.
2: Yep. You know, stories of, you know, guys being woken up, um, by, you know, their fellow soldiers or something like that or another soldier right right before a bomb hits their bunker, they make it out into the trench and then the, the person that woke them up isn't there anymore or it was somebody that was already killed um, and that, that they're laying dead in the trench outside, something like that. Um, or, you know, there was a story, I think it was, I would think it was a, a British uh, officer who was, I think it was probably World War I, but his wife or maybe his sister was living in India and he came to the door one day and he was just standing in the door, I think, to her bedroom or to the house. And he walked out and she went to go find him and she couldn't find him. And then she got a telegram like several days later that he had actually been killed that same day. So stories like that where, yeah, there's like, and it's weird to think that these spirits are tra- traversing distances to revisit family members or there's stories of British officers that are revisited. Like they had a plan to meet a fellow soldier at a certain place in time and then the soldier showed up but it was a ghost. The guy went at, at like a, at a to keep their tradition but the guy you know it's yeah there's some very bizarre stories i have to cover on this subject.
1: We do have some Vietnam veterans who listen to this show. And recently oh, yeah. a few weeks ago you did a story about Vietnam, a soldier's ghost in Vietnam sure. which people could go find. Tell us a little bit about that
2: story. Um Boy, I'm wishing I remember that. Uh, if you watch the episode, I'm very transparent. I, I, the, the, there was a gentleman who wrote a book. He was a Vietnam veteran himself, and uh, after the war, he became a writer, um, and he ended up compiling a lot of these bizarre stories from Vietnam, and he's done some other books. Um, I, I do give credit to him for the story in the episode. I just the, the name escapes me at the moment. Um, but he, he talked to a friend of his who had served in the 1st Cavalry Division, uh, a guy that was drafted uh, out of Washington, and you know, I flown to Vietnam um and I think he was 1968 I think is when he showed up in Vietnam but he was uh on the on the south the, the coastline of the South China Sea they were they were patrolling looking for Viet Cong soldiers that were traversing south towards uh Saigon and they found a a foot trail that looked like it was you know being used by 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 soldiers so they they've set up an ambush and while the next morning or one of the, I don't know, they were there, they were posted there for a couple of days. And the story doesn't exactly tell you how long it took for this to happen. But at one point early in the morning, this guy woke up, he took a watch shift and right before, you know, between like four to 6 AM, right before the sun came up. And as, as the sun was coming up, a ghost appeared in front of him. Uh, what he thought was an enemy soldier at first. So he, he did, you know, what every soldier would do. And he raised his rifle and he, he told the guy to identify himself. And as he kind of, Absorbed what he was looking at, he realized that this isn't a Viet Cong soldier. This isn't an American soldier. This guy looks like something out of a out of a uh, a Centurion movie, like a, a an old movie about Rome. This guy was dressed from head to toe in Roman soldier gear and attire, holding a a battered shield, his hand resting on the hilt of a sword in its sheath, and he's just staring at this ghost who's just apparently hovering off the ground. That was one of the things that gave it away was the guy wasn't even sitting like standing on the ground. Um, and the ghost spoke to him after a few moments and what the ghost said, the guy didn't speak Latin, but he, he heard this phrase, which he thought was something like "menta to marry. And it just, it stuck with him. He had no idea what the guy said, but then the ghost vanished when the sun came up over the ridge years later he was thinking back on this, and he started to do a little research to see if Roman soldiers had ever been in Vietnam, and if, just maybe to kind of validate his experience. So he ends up talking to a schoolteacher friend of his, and he happens to remember the phrase, and he says, well, the ghost spoke to me, and he said something like meant to marry, and the teachers who spoke Latin said, well, what he probably said was memento mori, which was a common expression used by Roman soldiers. Um, Typically it was like a slave in a parade that would whisper this phrase into the ear of his commanding officer who was being cheered and celebrated by these thousands of Roman people. And the phrase memento mori means, remember you must die. And in the context of the Romans, it was a phrase that was meant to remind them of their mortality that despite all these cheering people, despite your prestige, you're still mortal. Don't get a you know don't get a fat head like don't don't get too absorbed in your 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 glamour here. But for this guy to, to you know this twenty two year old guy to be sitting in Vietnam on fire watch and to have a Roman ghost appear to him and speak in a language he didn't understand and to say something like "Remember, you must die" when the guy was in combat. I mean, chilling. To think that I mean, how could his mind create something like that?
1: That's it just didn't scary. Make sense. That's just scary. Yeah. Now, a lot yeah. of these stories that happen in combat situations, high-stress situations like this, how do we know it's not the mind playing tricks?
2: Well, we don't. And and I've, I can, I've got several experiences where I was under high stress, I was sleep-deprived, and I had some pretty wild and kind of terrifying hallucinations where I thought I saw something, uh, and I just kind of shook my head and I said, okay, I must be imagining this. Um, so we, we really don't. Um, and, and kind of my take on that is if it, if it, if, if, if the person experiences something just because we can't, you know, prove that it, just like his experience, right. He can't prove to himself that it wasn't a ghost. And it's not to say, I mean, there's too there's too many people who have seen ghosts, not to say that ghosts are real. Ghosts are mentioned in the Bible. Like these things are, these things are ancient. So to say that these things don't exist, I think, is denying the, the wealth of information we have. But we, we honestly, we don't. And, I, and I, I love that aspect of these stories being, even if it is something, because most people, I, most veterans I talk to especially, they're very practical. They're not the type of, dude, I totally, they're like, well, I saw something, but I'm not really sure. And that, I think that's as much of a, an interesting look into the psychological impacts Of what combat does to the human mind
1: yeah i think that's great insight great insight thank you luke for that luke lamana from wartime stories on youtube you did another video recently and i love the thumbnail for it because it kind of shows aliens in the background smoke pit stories was it all a dream do we have soldiers being taken from the barracks is that what that's all about
2: that's that story was uh, and it's. I would like to preface this. There was a gentleman who was an Air Force veteran uh, named Xavier, who reached out to me and he had just written his first book. And as a fellow veteran and also as an as a creator, well, he emailed me and he said, "Well, how much would how much would you, would I have to pay you to promote my book on one of your like do a sponsor a video so that you can promote my book?" And I said, "Dude, you, I'm not going to take your money. Like just." tell me the book. I'll read it. I would love to be able to help you out because I know being a creator is difficult. And after, and he was obviously very grateful, but after talking to him for a while, I come to find out he's got his own experiences. And I, and, and he was one of those guys where he didn't really want to share the story. Like I had to pull it out of him. And I, you know, I didn't threaten like, I'm not going to do your, you know, your book, but I, I said, dude, just, I'm not going to judge you. Like, just tell me your story. And then he did. And his story was one of the first stories that I ever... Because he emailed it to me that I ever read. Because I can read a story and be like, okay, I can do this. And, but then, you know, when I watch the recreation of it, I'm like, okay. His story was one of the first that I read, and it terrified me. Oh, you got to
1: fill us in here. you got to fill us in.
2: From the age of about eight or nine years old until he was about... Well, I guess it, it happened for a longer period. But he had... When he was a child... In about fourth grade through sixth grade, he had a recurring nightmare where he would wake up and there would be this, he called it an entity, this figure, which looked like a gray alien, if I'm being just quite frank, that would be standing over his bed. Like, you know, he'd be looking up and it would be peering over his headboard, looking down at him. And being a child waking up to that, I mean, you can imagine that's terrifying. Well, he had, so he started, you know, sleeping basically with the blankets wrapped around his head every night as this child, you know because I'm sure his parents maybe didn't take him seriously if he ever complained about it. Um, fast forward, this dream kind of carried on into his, his, his teenage years, and until he said he became an adult, which he said he was kind of embarrassed to admit, because he just thought it was a, a childish nightmare. Um, but then, as an adult, he starts having these experiences that kind of go a little bit further than just having this guy staring at him. Um, I'm trying to remember if this was the first one, but he woke up from a nap, One, I think it was in the afternoon, and he realized that he was lying face down on the bed. And he said, "It, it immediately occurred to me that's unusual because I don't normally sleep face down. Whether
3: it's a girls' night out, brunch with your work besties, or a night in with sprinkles, the crisp, refreshing taste of Kim Crawford makes any moment amazing. So wherever you go, shine with Kim Crawford. Available in Sauvignon Blanc and Rosé. Kim Crawford. Make it amazing. Buy Kim Crawford at orderkimcrawford.com. Please enjoy our wines responsibly. 2022 Constellation Imports, Rutherford, California, USA. Do your users need a new Mac or iPhone? Are they working remotely? As your workforce grows, you need an efficient way to deploy devices. Enter Jamf, an automated hands-free way to deliver technology no matter where employees are. The second users get their device and authenticate with company credentials, Jamf goes to work securely delivering everything end users need to be successful. Whether you pre-configure settings or allow users to select their own, curate the perfect onboarding experience and ensure your teams go from zero to productive in minutes. Learn more at jamf.com. That's jamf.com. Go.
2: Um, I'm a side sleeper. I sleep on my back. Well, then he realized that he was being held down. And as soon as he tried to get up, he felt what he said were hands that were very strong, pin me to the bed and prevent me from getting up. And then he said, I felt a very sharp pain in the back of my right knee. like Like I was stuck, almost like being stuck with a needle. And then I passed out. That's all I remember. And then I said, and then I woke up and, just like his childhood nightmares, he's like, "Did I dream that? Did I make that up?" And he said he checked the back of his knee, and he did have a small mark. You know, like maybe a mosquito bit him or something else. Um, I, I could, I could, I could continue his story. But, oh yeah, I mean...
1: keep going, man. This is great.
2: <laughs> um, what was the other one? Well i I might be missing one aspect of I guess you have to watch the video, but there was another profound experience well, okay, let's say uh he said he was eighteen, this was maybe earlier um eighteen or maybe in his early twenties he was just starting college um and he was staying with his parents in in Missouri, where his parents lived, spending the night at his parents' house and that's the that's the thumbnail that you were talking about. He wakes up in the middle of the night and it's it's as if the wall of his room was just gone, very blinding white light, and he sees these entities, what look like small humans, that are coming out of this light towards him. And he said, you know, there's just, whatever it was, it overwhelmed him, the experience, and he, and he passed out. Well, he woke up the next morning, the wall's there, nothing unusual about the room, so he just, he brushes it off as being kind of an unusual experience, um, dream maybe. But then he walks out into the living room area, you know, his parents are out, his parents are awake, and he finds that his parents are having a conversation about a dream that his dad had. And his dad apparently didn't sleep well because he had a nightmare about aliens doing experiments on him. And, he, and his dad explained that his dream, these aliens had opened his stomach and were doing something while he was screaming for his wife or his son Xavier to come and help him, and he said, and he, I guess, you know, in a nightmare, he was just mortified that neither his wife sleeping next to him or his son in the other room could hear him screaming. And so he had a so the fact that both of them had these unusual dreams in the same night highly bizarre. To think Very that they, were, you know, why would that happen? Very um, weird. Wow. Yeah, there's 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 even more to his story. So I don't know. If you want me to keep going, I will. Well,
1: you know what? I I would actually, if you don't mind, uh, after the show or during the break, drop me his name. I'd love to bring him on to talk about sure. it. Sure.
2: I, I, yeah, I, I've been because I'm gonna. I guess I he he asked me to read his audio book, so I guess I'm gonna be the one narrating his audio book. So I, I'm still talking to him on the phone. So um, I will let him know. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Well,
1: I, I those firsthand accounts, man. I, th- I really do believe, you know, as much science as we have going on right now with the UFO world, I really, really am a firm believer that the majority of answers are held by the experiencers. I, yeah. re- I really am. There's a lot of people I realize can I, can I, I, I'd be in the minority of that, but I'm okay Can with I say it. something about his
2: story? Yeah. I, what I really appreciated about it, because he's, he's really one of the first people I've ever talked to that had that. That kind of experience, um, I'm sure that, you know, he he considers himself one of many, right? But as far as people I've talked to, what I really, what really struck me about the way he approached his own story, because he addressed, you know, some other people's theories about what these beings are, and and even he himself is willing to admit, look, I could have dreamed all of this. I, I honestly don't know. There's some things in, that happened in my waking reality that don't really match up with what happened but I'm willing to just overlook all this as a weird coincidence. And I'm just dreaming these things, but the way he thought, well, the way he talks about gray aliens, should they exist? And and if we're willing to acknowledge that they do exist, if they are abducting people, taking people, having these sorts of experiments, or, he looked at it like how we treat animals here on earth. And like, he talked about uh, like shark week. He's like, look, these, I don't think these things were trying to hurt me. They, obviously they terrified me, but imagine being a shark swimming around in the ocean and then these creepy looking, you know, things with two arms and two legs pull you out of the water and start doing measurements on you and sticking you with needles and, you know, putting a tracking tag on you. And you're just like, what, you know, like, what are you supposed to think as a shark? What are these things? What are they doing to me? So his take on it is, of course, we're of a higher intelligence here on earth, but if these things are far more advanced beyond us, we could just be kind of a sentient being that they're doing tests on and doing, you know, tracking and experiments on. And I I took that as like a, that's a very practical look. This isn't like, oh, I'm special and I'm just like a, it's like I just got yanked out of the water like any old shark. And I'm just one of the guys that they decided to to look at uh, and to keep track of for a few years. So it's, it, 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 because I I tend to think a lot of people who disbelieve this stuff, it's because it's too much. It's too bizarre. It's, well, if we, the universe is very big. And if we were to acknowledge the existence of an advanced race of beings that are coming here to Earth to study us, that seems that's what we do, <laughs> like to other humans, like uncontacted tribes here on Earth. That's what we do. We can't help but our own curiosity, and certainly to the animals of the Earth that we consider lower intelligence. Well, what if what if these things just look at us like we're apes? You know, like we're just some. We think we're intelligent, right? But they may not see us like that. So I, I his the way he approached this story was just very down to earth and very practical and it, you know, it, it certainly, it's, it, it is difficult to believe because you didn't experience that yourself, but I find him very credible, you know, and I was, it was very easy to take him seriously because he didn't, he didn't, he, he didn't need to embellish anything.
1: Well, I definitely want his story. I would love, to, <laughs> you know, I would love to have that story on, on this show. I'm I, I'm going to be honest. I'm a little jealous of you. I am a little jealous
2: <laughs> what can I say? Yeah, I, you know, I, I, like I said, I, 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 I try to be respectful. Of course, I, I know sometimes you can ask a question that might come off as offensive, but, yeah, um, I'm glad people feel, uh, what, trustworthy or, or uh, comfortable enough sharing these things with me. Um, but yeah, I, I see no reason to, to, to disbelieve anybody until they give me a reason to. So,
1: well, I don't blame you. We got, like, just under four minutes to go before we have to go to break at the top of the hour. We have Luke Lamana from Wartime Stories YouTube channel here tonight. And this is flying on by. Luke, you know, you, you do a lot of really cool, different types of stories here. You know, do you like going into the UFO stuff now that it's really popular?
2: From a... Uh from a personal standpoint, I can't get enough of it. You know, that now, especially with the media acknowledgement of it and this whole, like the Pentagon coming out and saying, Oh yeah, they're real. Like that's kind of goes without saying, like everyone's kind of talking about that. Like, Oh wow. Like now they're admitting it. And for, and even Xavier in his story, he expressed that, yeah, it's, 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 uh, what's the word he used, um, acknowledging or it's, it's for someone like myself, who's had these bizarre experiences, it's very, um whatever the word means uh, that uh, allow you you feel more comfortable sharing your story you feel more uh i, I cannot think of that. i'm in a brain fart right now uh, well but, well let me ask you this do you have a lot more or have you
1: seen a change in your own emails with more people coming up to you yeah. and sending you emails with ufo or uap experiences
2: it, it started with the smoke pit thing, uh, I, and how that started is I, I, I shared Robert's stories, right? And he talks about seeing UFOs on Fort Campbell, um, similar to the, the Cash Landrum incident UFOs, and that's where I started reading through the comments, because I read all my comments. Um, I can't always respond to all of them, but I read them all, and people would share their stories. And I started saying, what a waste. Like, people are sharing these really cool stories in the comments section, and nobody's probably going to read them. And so I, I reached out to my audience and I said, "Look, would you guys mind if I just did a few videos reading these stories from the comments, from veterans, civilians, whoever?" And they said, "Sure, give it a shot." And that's what now that's where you know obviously we have Xavier's story being one of them, but now we have the smoke pit series. Uh, yeah, and and now that people realize that they can submit stories, um, I'm, I, my inbox is full. I mean, I've got. I mean, I wouldn't say it's like an un, it's several dozen at this point that I haven't gotten to. Um, And I've been able to respond to a few dozen more. And then I I still get them in the comment section. I haven't been able to keep up with them. Um, So, yeah, they're coming in like crazy. And I I thought I was going to be sticking to, like, Internet material. And now I have all these personal stories to work with.
1: No, I think that's great. And in the next half hour, I'd like to get into some of those UFO stories, if you wouldn't mind. Because I know people who, like my good friend Eric Cooper from Forest Moon Paranormal in Washington State... I mean, he recalls being in the first Gulf War and having mm. a giant black triangle fly over his platoon and just hover there. Yeah. And they didn't Had know fl- what the fl- hell, fl- hell it was. Yeah. And when he went and asked his, uh, his lieutenant about it, the lieutenant was, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. And nobody knows to this day. Was it alien? Was it American? Was it something else? There was no clue. I mean, that's just weird.
2: Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And I've certainly picked up on that. There's that UFOs come in many shapes and sizes. And uh, that, that was and that mostly came from my experience with personal stories. That's not something I found by just digging through UFO accounts online. That was what people told me, uh, my viewers. So, yeah. And that's just if that's just them. And that's not these more like I don't know if you would call them credible or, or more mainstream stories that you get about these things. But these people talk about seeing stuff in their backyards i've had some stories from canada um yeah it's it's getting harder to deny the existence of these things um if it's not completely proven at this point
1: very true very true we're going to get you to hold on right there luke because we are going to go to break here at the top of the hour we have luke lamana from wartime stories coming up for his second hour right after the break when we return luke's going to give us some details stories where ufo encounters in the battlefield and on military bases it's incredible we'll be back right after this big thank you to all of our followers and in youtube tonight for helping uh jessica jones our cryptid huntress Get to a thousand subscribers on her channel. We very much appreciate the love uh, that you showed her. So thank you so much. And uh, Luke, I'm going to turn the camera over to Dirty Filth here, so he can uh, people can watch his cartoons. I'm going to step away for just a couple of minutes. I'll be right back. Okay? Sure. <clears throat> I'll mute your mic here too. <clears throat> I am back, and go like this, put Dirty Filth there, unmute you. Hey, Super Duke from World Bigfoot Radio, how you doing buddy? Eva, how are you? Thanks for joining us, who else is stuck in here? Uh, Niall Parkinson, how you doing man? Thank you all once again for helping out. Our resident cryptid huntress, Jessica, hit 1,000 subscribers tonight. We really do appreciate it. That's a big milestone for her. So thank you so much for the love, everyone. Really do appreciate that. And uh, she deserves it. She works hard. <coughs> big thank you tonight to Mr. Crowley, Dan- uh, Donnie Cho, Surf and Nicole, For the awesome super chats, we really do appreciate uh, the support that you guys give us on a nightly basis. Thank you to all the veterans out there who are tuning us in tonight, all our regulars. Of course, you're amazing. And don't forget, guys, if you want some really cool swag, head on over to spacedoutradio.com, click on our swag button, and uh, we got some really cool stuff there for you. We're going to get going here in about 20 seconds. Dirty Filth is painting up a storm here tonight. I don't know what he is painting, but it looks like a landscape. He's going au naturel for us tonight. Au naturel. That means he didn't shave his chest for this one, which is nice. Here we go, everyone.
4: You're listening to Spaced Out Radio with Dave Scott. Follow Dave on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio and on Facebook, Spaced Out Radio Show.
1: Hour number two of Spaced Out Radio is now underway. My name is Dave Scott. Thank you so much for taking the time to join us. We really do appreciate... Earning your listening ears wherever you are on this beautiful planet we call Earth. Hi to everyone listening in on our terrestrial affiliates around North America and digitally on Odyssey Radio, Talk Stream Live at KPNL. All of our archives are free. Join us at youtube.com forward slash spaced out radio. Do old Navy the favor, hit that subscribe button. The, des- uh, the Desert Clam has set the password for tonight in the SOR Space Travelers Club. Whiskerando, Whiskerando is your password. Use it wisely, space travelers, as the clam sets the password each and every night right here on Spaced Out Radio. Our website is spacedoutradio.com. We have a plethora of features for you, including rocking out to Bumblefoot, reading Shirky News Newswire. Check out our swag as well. Follow us on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio, Instagram at Spaced Out Radio 4, and on TikTok at Spaced Out Radio we continue on tonight with a great show from the YouTube channel Wartime Stories. We have Luke Lamana here. He is the writer, narrator, artist extraordinaire and voice of the gods when it comes to speaking. And uh, Luke, really appreciate you joining us tonight, my friend.
2: Thanks again, Dave. Appreciate you being here.
1: All right. You have seen a real influx of military members sending you emails regarding UFO sightings during their career. And I'm curious if we could get into a couple of these, if you don't mind. Are there any letters sure. that, are, that are really standing out to you, whether they happened recently or way in the past?
2: I mean, the first one would probably be the story that had the most detail, which was uh, this gentleman Robert, uh, who was a sp- Specialist Four in uh, in the Army. That was his highest rank before he got out. But he was the uh, 1980s, I think 1982 to maybe 86, something like that. Um, but yeah, he <clears throat> he was restationed to Fort Campbell, which is right on the border of Kentucky and Tennessee. And I have since been enlightened to the fact that Fort Campbell. Uh, you could probably have an entire show like this just about that base, um, from a number of different cryptids, sightings, to UFOs, um, to ghosts, and other paranormal phenomenon, but uh, just, you want me to jump right into his story?
1: Go right into it if you want, or tell us the
2: background. Uh-huh. So, I'm trying to remember the year, but the year isn't necessarily important, but uh, it was the Cash and incident happened in nineteen in nineteen eighty one. I guess I'll preface it with that, and that was in Texas. So what, some six hundred miles north, uh, northeast in uh, over Fort Campbell in Kentucky. So Robert was uh, coming back from a laundromat one evening, um, and he he drove off base, and when he got back, it was uh, it had just gotten dark, and as he got out of his car, he parked in the in the barracks parking lot. He was walking through the parking lot, and he happened to just look off over the back area of the base. They call it the Back 40, um, but it's just like the back. Fort Campbell is very large, and most of the base is just training, artillery. It's just open just wilderness, really. And he looked out over the Back 40, and he saw the moon. And he said, you know, that's the moon looks a (laughs) little—he thought it looked a little odd. Well, when his eyeballs adjusted, he realized what he was looking at was a very bright white diamond—
5: It's another hurricane season, and right about now, residents are busy fortifying their nests against damage. This year, they're preparing with flood insurance. They've learned it's the extra layer of protection that prevents them from paying out-of-pocket or pouch for costly repairs. You too should trust your instincts this season. Get flood insurance and protect the life you've built. Visit floodsmart.gov.
3: When you look into Discover Student Loans, what you see might surprise you. We can help cover your college costs, don't charge you fees, and give you cash rewards for good grades. Ready to apply? Visit discoverstudentloans.com. Limitations apply.
2: He called it a cube-shaped object just hovering out over the back 40. And then he noticed that there were a number of Chinook helicopters he could see the blinking lights uh, off in the distance that were then approaching this object and so as he started to try to make sense of what's happening he then notices that there is a a flame or something then that er, er, intermittently shooting out of the bottom of this of this craft as it's hovering stationary and when the when the, the Chinooks ended up getting close to it it all of a sudden as he's watching it it just moves very quickly, very suddenly, that he didn't say. He said he was very specific about it. It didn't accelerate; it just moved from one point to another point very quickly. And he said it covered a good distance, probably several miles, in the matter of seconds. And he said then the Chinooks just slowly banked to follow it. So he's just standing there in the parking lot, holding his laundry basket, while he's now watching this kind of bizarre chase happening off in the distance. And he said, you know, probably maybe the next couple minutes, he watched these helicopters just kind of pursuing this thing as it's just darting around the base. And he said he got the impression that whatever this thing was, it, it just it looked like it was showing off um, its capabilities in comparison with these helicopters. Well, other people had were joining him in the parking lot at this point. You know, it's a very bizarre thing to be seeing, obviously. Well, at some point, the thing just shot off into the distance and disappeared. He hung around for maybe another minute or so, seeing if it would come back. Um, but ultimately, he just he got bored with it and he went inside. And I mean, didn't think much of it. What was he supposed to think? Um, military aircraft flight, like what you know? It's the nineteen. I don't know. What would you think? Well, he he almost completely forgot about it. He said it wasn't really a topic of conversation at work the next day. He he looked for it in the newspaper to see if it, there was any reports on it. There were there were none. Um, so he just chalked it up to being something that it wasn't really that. Uh, uh, extraordinary. Um, several months later, during the summer, uh, he had been reassigned from his his unit. Um, they were overstaffed on radio operators, so he was reassigned to the military police on Fort Campbell. And so he had started driving uh, night shifts around the base, you know, inspecting lock gates and you know making sure no trespassers had gotten onto the uh, the base and stuff like that. Uh And he said he ran across a lot of conventionally weird things uh he you know he, he ran into a guy that was running butt naked. the guy said he was a druid and he he had to go for midnight runs because his religion demanded it you know stuff like that um but one night he was out on patrol with his one of his the senior guys who was it was early on in his his patrols and this guy was the one who was basically showing him how to drive the routes and how you know how to do these these uh these night patrols. Uh, and it was a sergeant that he really looked up to, um, that he really respected. Well, they're dr- they uh, they see off in the this. I guess they were driving um, east, away from the back forty towards the kind of the main area of the base. And his sergeant suddenly tells him, "Stop the car." And he's confused, and he's and the sergeant's look, like got his head hanging out of the window, looking behind the truck. And the sergeant then tells him, "Okay, turn the truck around. We got to go back." And Robert's like okay, what's going on? He's like, I think I, I, I think I just saw something like there was a, I saw a light just drop straight down out of the sky and it just disappeared behind those trees back there. We got to go check it out. So they start driving. And after a couple of miles, you know, as the, as the trees you know, the trees get out of the way, they see the top half of this white cube shaped object off in the distance. And obviously they're like, what the hell are we looking at? Um, they, They got to do their job. I mean, as best as they can, they drive over to inspect what this thing is. Um, And Robert knew immediately, this is the same thing I saw hovering over the base a few months ago. So they get up within, I don't know, half a mile of it, a quarter mile of it. And they're down at the end of this dirt road, the road that they're on intersects with a, a, a maintenance road that leads up to a radio tower. And this craft is hovering right over the tower, and he said it was so close to the top of it, it could have been touching it. The tower, he said, was about 150 feet high. So based on the size of the tower, he said this thing was at least 100 to 130 feet in, in height, in, in the size of this craft. And it was just hovering, slow. And this, but this time he said it wasn't stationary, it was slowly rotating as it was just hovering above this craft. So they park on the road, they stay a good distance away. He ends up trying to drive a little bit closer Probably out of curiosity, his sergeant says, dude, what the hell are you doing? We're staying right here. We're, we're going to watch it from this distance. Uh, and he said that was a, probably a good idea because within moments, this thing shot like an extraordinary amount of energy, electricity down into the radio tower. He said, you know, there were sparks flying off the tower. This thing was just lighting up, this bright orange. And then everything went dead quiet. And this thing is now this thing is no longer rotating, but it's just hovering above this radio tower. So they continue to observe it, not knowing, you know, what, what, the, what are we supposed to do about this? This is not in the code book, right? This isn't in the, this isn't in the, right. in the standard operating procedures for what are we supposed to do. Um, then they, 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 with the windows down, they then heard the sound of helicopters, double rotors, Chinooks, that were then approaching the area. And his sergeant slaps him, and he's like, dude, I don't know what the hell this is. We got to get out of here. This isn't for us. They turn the truck around, and they drive off. Um, and as they're in this, like what we talked about earlier in the show, as they're driving back, he kind of turns sheepishly to his sergeant. He's like, uh, are we going to call this in? And his sergeant's like, dude, I've almost got my 20 years. No, we're, we're not, we're not saying anything about this. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not losing my retirement because, you know, I want to come off sounding like some crazy person. So uh, if you don't mind, don't tell anybody about this, please. And that was the end of it. And I, I and I and after the fact and, and kind of comparing the two stories, it was very similar to the craft that was described by uh, Betty Cash and Vicky Landrum um, during their experience down in Texas in 1981 when they ex- nearly drove under one of these UFOs um, and then they suffered radiation sickness from the close exposure to it. So very bizarre story from Fort Campbell.
1: And and I guess that's the big theme, Luke, that a lot of these. People it doesn't matter whether you're a, a spec four, whether you're a sergeant, lieutenant, captain, major, whatever it may be. It all comes down to rank and your own history and tenure within the military. That you don't want to take any chances of ruining a your career, b your pension, and c everything and the benefits that come along with retirement.
2: Yeah, the military. I I love I love my experience in the military. There were some things that I don't miss. Uh, some of the more miserable things. Um, I didn't enjoy standing in formations a lot of the time, but it's just part of the process. But yeah, there's there's things about the military that I, I there I wouldn't say they're condemnable, but yeah, your your career is always in the balance. Um, keeping your nose clean, staying out of trouble, not you know dotting your i's and crossing your t's. Um, because reenlistment, you know, especially during peacetime military, when they don't need that many people, like if you're at war, you know, you can you can get so, you can get a couple of NJPs under your belt and you'll be fine. Like the, the promotion board or whoever's gonna, yeah, whatever. People get in trouble, but during peacetime military, which was Robert was you know serving under in the 1980s, uh, yeah, there's you if you want to stay in for 20 years, you have to be exemplary in your behavior. You can't make any mistakes, and certainly if they think you're kind of, yeah, they're. They're going to look for a reason to get rid of you because they don't, they don't know if, do do we want this guy holding onto a gun, you know, around other, other, his fellow soldiers, if he's coming up with these crazy stories. Yeah. So I can understand why they would keep quiet about it, no matter what their rank or position is.
1: All right. Let's move on to another UFO story that you've uh, got. Do you have any from the battlefield where soldiers were, were serving? Have you, have you received any of those yet?
2: I know they exist. I haven't done any stories on them yet um, because most of the stuff that seems to be coming from guys who recently served and, you know, I haven't heard any from, if anything's coming out of Afghanistan, it's, it's ghosts. Um, But as far as UFOs, you know, I've not, not from the battlefield. Um, Well, I I do know about the story that happened in Korea. That's one I have in the book to maybe cover at some point. Um, But like the, the Korean soldiers that witnessed this UFO that Apparently hovered over the battlefield or started engaging in some matter in the in the, in the fight. Um, and I know Bedtime Stories did a story uh, in Vietnam where the patrol boats that were in Vietnam and they were on—I don't know if it was—I uh, can't remember the name of the river, but they were on, they were patrolling a river, probably looking for any sort of enemy boats crossing the river, enemy enemy supply movement, something like that. And there is this UFO that is traversing over the river, and they start engaging this thing because they don't know what it is. I believe it started firing at them with some sort of energy weapon of some kind. And it took out at least one of the patrol boats. Um, they got they scrambled some jets, and the jets, they didn't track anything on the radar. They didn't know what they were going after, but the jets apparently sighted this same craft. It's not a story that I did myself. I just listened to it you know, secondhand, so I can't really speak to the detail of it or the validity of it um, as far as what I can say is verified and not verified, um, but... I honestly, as far as battlefield experiences, I, I don't know of too many stories. If I get any personal stories in the battlefield, I would be surprised um, that that those exist because of all the things happening on the battlefield, a UFO showing up and actually paying attention to it. Um, I do Well, I do have maybe one that kind of falls in that category, and it wasn't from a soldier. It was from a, an, a British gentleman uh, who's now, I believe, in his 90s. But back in the 1940s, he was in... He was like four years old. How how old? now? maybe he's in the 70s. So he was like four or five years old, 1941. His son is the one who shared the story with me. And he said, my dad has this story that nobody believes, but he sticks to it. And he's never changed his story. And my dad is not the kind of guy to make stuff up for any reason. But he said when he was four or five years old, around 1941, 1940, he was standing outside watching a dogfight between German and British planes flying overhead over London, England. Um, and he said right in the middle of this dogfight was an egg-timer-shaped object. And when, when he said egg-timer, I assumed it to mean like kind of an hourglass shape. Um, I, I, I'm not necessarily certain on the entire details whether the edges are rounded, but he said egg-timer-shaped object sitting directly overhead while these planes were flying around it and engaging in battle. And he said then... As he was watching it, this thing just wobbled slightly side to side, and then it was gone. And, of course, as a four- or five-year-old, you're not really... Sh- you know, i don't. I, it's surprising that he would have that memory. Obviously, I would imagine the emotional experience of watching this fight would stay with him, and maybe that's why he remembered this craft, even though it didn't seem to... It was kind of uh, innocuous, and it didn't engage in anything. But, you know, you get the Foo Fighters stories and stuff coming out of uh, World War II, so... I I shared his story and I actually, the guy reached out to me later and he said, you know, I showed your video to my dad and it's the first time he's actually ever heard anybody tell his story with like sincerity. I was like, well, I'm honored, but it's like, it's a bizarre story. I'm sure people wouldn't believe it, but why would he lie? Like, that's very, that's a very strange thing to make up. So whatever, whatever that object was or what it was doing. I mean, yeah, some people have speculated that aliens or whatever these things are do seem to be attracted to um, battle. I mean, in in human engagement, the energy. I've heard that UFO sightings kind of exploded after World War II and the atomic bombs were dropped. Like maybe that's what drew more attention to our little corner of the galaxy of the universe. Um, So more certainly there's a lot of theories on that.
1: Luke LaManna is our guest tonight on Space Out Radio. we got just under six minutes to go before we got to go to break at the bottom of the hour. Now, you mentioned Afghanistan. Lots of ghost sure. stories coming out of Afghanistan. I'd like to learn a little bit about those, if you don't mind. But before we do, have you ever had any soldiers reach out to you about the giants of Kandahar?
2: No, none. I mean, I've had people ask me to do the story, but I've never had anybody reach out and say that they saw one or that they, they know, you know, that they're connected to the story in any way. No. But
1: yeah, I asked a former uh, army ranger buddy of mine who did uh, two tours in Afghanistan and two in Iraq. And and he knew nothing of it either. So, I mean, there is this big legend that is going on. What's your thoughts on that? Just from personal knowledge, experience, maybe a little bit of research. Do Do you think that's true?
2: Yeah, I think giants did exist. Um, I, well, I, I firmly believe that they do. Um, whether they still exist, it, it certainly remains a question. Um, there's, there's a, convic- a, a convi- uh, convicting, convincing amount of evidence for Bigfoot-type creatures or, I mean, multiple species, obviously, because you got the Yetis and everything else in between. The, it's not just Bigfoot in North America. They seem to have these things all over the world. The, 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 the rock apes in Vietnam. Um, those stories have been considered very credible by some, uh, some researchers, um, who have actually gone and looked for these animals and have found something akin to what was described by the Vietnam soldiers. Um, so as far as giants are concerned, I would, I would consider it believable, um, whether that story, the one that was, you know, is, is very mainstream and a lot of people have heard it. I mean, <clears throat> it certainly begs the question, where do these stories come from? You know, what, like who made it up and, and how did it proliferate like that? And, I mean, why would it be made up in the first place if it wasn't just some guy who was, I don't know, trying to spin a, a really good yarn for for the sake of getting street cred or something about his experience? But um, it, it, it would seem like a story that had to be leaked, right? It was covered up. It was buried. It was... it it kind of falls in line with robert's story about seeing a giant snake in honduras it's like why would they want to cover a story like that up what you know what would be the purpose of of the u.s government or the military wanting to bury a story like that like okay so there's giants living out in the desert and you know one of the things i would speculate on is you know if you want to be taken seriously like you don't go around saying that you saw a giant or that these things exist or you know any number of of kind of just just don't talk about it because that's not something we need to be focusing on when we're in combat or we're in war. Um, so I would find it credible, believable, but I, I would want to probably see more evidence myself before I, I said that story was entirely true.
1: Okay, let's go to the ghost stories then that are coming out of Afghanistan. What are you hearing?
2: Um, OP Rock is, is one of the more... Um, well-known stories with regard to Afghanistan and I think that's where a lot of these stories kind of end up pointing to is this more uh, OP Rock I believe I, I'm I wish I would read up on this story but I it was an outpost it was a, it was a guard post um not a very favorable one nobody none of the marines who were stationed there ever seemed to like it um but uh, there was some rumors or something that uh, that a lot of russian soldiers had been buried there kind of unceremoniously just just you know mass grave site something like that um because every once in a while a marine would maybe dig up an old piece of soviet gear or something from that site or even bones um if if i if, if i remember the story correctly and there were instances where on night at not, during night 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 watch night uh night observations or uh night guard they would see these people these men or entities approaching the op like they were moving towards the op through the, and they could see them through the night vision lenses, but they couldn't see them with their with the bare, with their bare eyes. Um, I don't know if they ever fired on the, any of them, but basically they would hear sounds. They would hear men speaking uh, when they were the only two people on the post at that time. They would call in radio reports, and basically they were eventually just told, stop sending up these ghost reports. We keep getting them. And he's like, if, if, if it's a human, shoot it. If it's a ghost, just stop reporting it, that kind of thing. Um And and as far as the personal stories that I've seen shared either in the comments, I mean, that it kind of correlates. You know, I I saw what looked like a sheep farmer walking down the road through my nods, and I told him to stop, and he didn't stop, and so I raised my rifle, and he still didn't stop, and the next minute he's gone. And it's like, what was I just looking at? That kind of thing. Or I remember one of the stories I'm going to be covering... um, that was emailed to me it was a guy. He said we were riding in our I don't know if it's a tracked vehicle or a, a wheeled vehicle like a Humvee or an AT. Uh, not a. I'm trying to think of the, the the nomenclatures of these different vehicles. But he's in a kind of an, an armored vehicle, and they're patrolling down the road. I believe they came to a a, a a security stop at one point, and he heard footsteps like somebody walking on the roof of his truck, and so he pops his head out to see who's up there, and he didn't see anything. So it's sort of these like. You know, these whatever the whatever's I mean, Afghanistan is a war torn country and much like probably we probably don't hear much from like Asia from the from the Second World War. Um, But a lot of the battle sites, certainly Civil War battle sites in America or um, European battle sites and, you know, with with Germans and Soviets or, or, you know, Americans and Germans, um, they do seem to have these proliferation of ghost stories so I, I if if spirits are to be taken seriously, which I personally do, um, I would say that, you know, w- w- it seems that where there's a lot of death and bloodshed to be violent, that's, that's what...
1: Luke LaManna from wartime stories, YouTube channel. We have for another 30 minutes here on Space Down Radio. What a great night of storytelling from the battlefields, from the soldiers. and We got more right after this when we return this is one of those hell yeah type of shows man i'm really enjoying <laughs> this thank you sure
2: <coughs>
1: i hope you're having fun dude
2: yeah yeah i mean i i just wish i was more well read <laughs> I wish I had more stories to bring. Cause I know I have a bunch is saved in like folders that I haven't covered yet, but I'm like, man, uh, if you interviewed me a year from now, I'd probably have a lot more to say, but.
1: Well, that's okay. You're getting there and you're doing great. And in about a year from now, you will be back on this show.
2: <laughs> I... <laughs> Talk about the new ones. Yeah.
1: Why not? But... Why not? We're allowed, man.
2: We're allowed. And and that's, I mean, as far as the ghost stories in Afghanistan, because I've, one of the experiences I had when I was patrolling uh, on Camp Pendleton here in California, uh, I had not slept for several days at this point. It was, I was going through the recon school and there's a, a, the last cycle, the last phase of it is this testing phase where they basically don't let you sleep for five or six days um, a lot of my guys crashed, but because I was the team leader, I forced myself not to sleep because I, our whole team would fail and be dropped from the course if we were caught sleeping. So I was like, okay, you guys sleep, but I'm the team leader. If, if you guys get caught sleeping, I'm in trouble. But if I fall asleep and you guys don't wake me up in time, like I'm screwed. So I didn't sleep, but I remember what, like we were on a patrol and we were going up, we we're going up a, a steep embankment and we were patrolling in a staggered formation. So the guy behind me was maybe supposed to be 10 yards behind me to my right on the other side of this this kind of dirt trail i looked back at him through my through my nods my my nvgs and what i saw was demonic the he it wasn't his face anymore it was completely demonic it scared the crap out of me and I, I immediately just i pulled my nods off and i was like trying to look at him in the dark like what the hell did i just see but sh- and shortly before that same guy i
5: It's another hurricane season, and right about now, residents are busy fortifying their nests against damage. This year, they're preparing with flood insurance. They've learned it's the extra layer of protection that prevents them from paying out-of-pocket or pouch for costly repairs. You too should trust your instincts this season. Get flood insurance and protect the life you've built.
0: Visit floodsmart.gov. A lot goes into taking care of your property. You need equipment with more reliability, durability, and versatility built in. Like number one selling Kubota BX and L-Series compact tractors, Z-Series mowers that deliver a quality cut, and Sidekick utility vehicles where durability meets speed. Visit your local Kubota dealer for a demo today.
2: Lee Tractor Company of Mississippi. Mississippi's elite Kubota dealer. On the web at leetractor.net was, I heard him say something to me. He was like, Hey, Sergeant. And I looked and he was actually next to me. And I got pissed off. Cause I was like, dude, like we're, we're staggered, man. Like move back, like get back. What are you like? What's going on? And I'm trying to get him to like, and he's not doing anything. He's just staring at me. And then I suddenly hear Sergeant, who are you talking to? And I look back and there's the guy I thought I was talking to actually where he's supposed to be 10 yards behind me, staggered. And then I look back to who I was talking to and he's gone. And I'm like, okay, no, nobody, I'm sorry, I, Never mind. I'm, I'm just going to keep walking. And that was when later I looked back and he had this demonic face and I was like, it's not my night. But so, but you know, I could cough that up for being a, a sleep deprived hallucination, especially when you're looking through those green night vision lenses that make everything look really creepy and eerie. But why I thought he was standing next to me, why I heard him talking to me. I couldn't tell you. Eerie, man. Eerie. Yeah. So, so I can I can imagine some sleep-deprived guys in Afghanistan, and I, and and you wonder if maybe that lucid place where your mind is, where you're kind of like drunk a little bit yeah. on sleep deprivation, maybe it just opens up that a bit, like that perception a little bit, and you're a little, you're not so like rigid and like reality. You're actually like able to perceive things maybe you couldn't perceive under different conditions. So right. We we never know.
1: I will put the link into the chat room for uh, Luke's channel wartime stories once again. And that way you can, uh, you can go hit subscribe there. This is definitely one of those channels that we at SOR highly recommend. And the one thing I like about Luke guys is he's doing it right He's doing it properly. He's getting good information. And that's what we want around here. We want real people around here. We want to support those people. You know, not a lot of these fakers out there and these faux journalists and faux scientists and faux people who, you know, are just there to bullshit people. We don't want that. Luke's a good guy. We need to support this channel. I'm a subscriber. I hope you guys are too after this. So uh, let's make it happen. If you do not mind. Hector Silo, how you doing, buddy? Eric the Purple Hobbit, welcome back. And Mark Sanchez, I hope your hair's doing good tonight, buddy. Rui in Portugal, how are you, man? Good to see you, or I should say good morning to you. We got about forty five seconds. <coughs> What's that applesauce? What's the wow, Dave? uh let's see thank you to nicole surf Jer, donnie and mr cowley for the amazing super chats tonight very much appreciate it if you want your sor swag head over to our website spacedoutradio.com and uh choose what you want it's that simple hector i just have a tim hortons here this will uh, do me for the night man i'm almost done but uh thanks for the offer tomorrow though let's do that hector We pass the halfway point of Spaced Out Radio tonight. Good to have you with us. My name is Dave Scott. Very much appreciate earning your listening ears. want to remind you that if you miss portions of this show or others, check out our free archives at youtube.com forward slash Spaced Out Radio. Do old Davey the favor. Hit that subscribe button. Our website is SpacedOutRadio.com. We have a plethora of features for you. Rock out to Bumblefoot, read Shirky Pooh's Newswire, Check out our swag as well. Follow us on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio, Instagram at Spaced Out Radio Show, and on TikTok at Spaced Out Radio. For the final time tonight, Luke Lamana is with us. We are talking about his great YouTube channel, which you should all hit subscribe on, called Wartime Stories, where he tells people stories from the battlefields, war stories, war encounters of the paranormal and supernatural, and, and very much more. And Luke, thank you so much for taking the time to join us. We really do appreciate it, man.
2: You're very welcome. Thanks for having me.
1: All right. Uh, let's get into more of these paranormal stories that you've heard of coming out of Afghanistan. I mean, there's so much death and tragedy there, whether it's the war, whether it's political or whatever it may be. It's not an easy life. For a lot of people over mm-hmm. there, do a lot of do a lot of these soldiers coming back after almost? I guess now, geez, thinking about it, to over twenty years that we've had soldiers there. I mean, are a lot of them coming back with paranormal experiences?
2: It, it, you know, it's hard to say a lot, um, but you know, I, w- I I would I don't mean to expand on that by saying, of course, this is the case, but I would be curious if. A lot of them did, but they just do not talk about it. And that's what I'm, you know, that's what I'm finding on the channel is that the more I share these types of stories and I'm, I am almost, I, I, you know, what I'll find out once I do my first episode that focuses on Afghanistan and the ghost side of it. Um, And then I'll, you'll see in the comments, like how many people that, you know, I only have like 68,000 people that watch the channel, but out of those people that, you know, how many veterans from Afghanistan, how many of them will say, you know what, I saw something like that and this is the first time I'm sharing it or I, you know, it's just not something I usually talk about. So it's because of the the level of sleep, sleep deprivation and the, the environment that they find themselves in, I could definitely imagine that there's more uh, than a few stories coming from there, and I've already seen you know at least a couple dozen of them probably um, to mind but it, it's hard to say that there would be a lot um, but I then again, it, how, how do we know that these people just aren't talking about them because it's not something that makes for polite conversation?
1: Oh, very true, very true. What's the highest rank? that you've had a report from.
2: Oh, um, huh. <sighs> I think maybe a Lieutenant commander. And, and I think that was, uh, Navy. Uh, I think it's the Naval, a Naval rank. Um, and I'm, I'm, Oh, was that? Oh, seven. Um, I seem to get a lot of enlisted guys, so I think maybe the officers just don't get get out of the office enough (laughs) to see see the crazy stuff. Unless they're pilots, you know, because but it's usually the enlisted guys, the the the, the grunts that are out there in the field that see this kind of stuff. So maybe that's why. Um, But as far as the enlisted side, I haven't anybody said that hey, it was a sergeant major and I saw something. But it's you know, it's probably gunny, you know, uh, gunnery sergeant E seven. I don't, but maybe your, if your point is that maybe the higher the rank, the less likely they are to talk, I would say that's probably true. Uh, I would, I would agree that it's called experience, right? The more you get, the more you keep your mouth shut. Um, And then you're usually the guys that are like, Hey, look, I know what you're talking about, but we're not supposed to talk about it. Like when you're talking to a junior soldier or junior Marine, it's like, look, I know you may have seen something, but. We're not going to talk about it because
1: that's awesome, man. Listen,
2: listen, listen to my experience.
1: All right, how about cryptids? Do you do you get a lot of cryptid reports? I know there's been a lot of soldiers down in Georgia, all the way up to Washington State, that have have had encounters with Sasquatch or or other monsters alike. Do you get a lot of those?
2: I, I probably should have prefaced this earlier, but my the the purview I have on stories is probably limited to the stories I've already done. Um, and that's the Smoke Pit series I started kind of came out of people sharing their personal stories in the comments. And those personal stories were, well, this story reminds me of a story of my own kind of comments, right? Um, there, we did have Robert, another the gentleman who was stationed at Fort Campbell, among everything else, which is what, you know, obviously some people didn't take him seriously because of this. He's the guy who spent most of the time out at night when everyone else was asleep in the barracks because he was an MP. And according, you kind of get the the impression that MPs, military police that do a lot of night patrols, end up seeing most of the crazy stuff. And his story combined with the responses I got, I'm I'm pretty convinced, if not entirely won over, that Bigfoot is either living or frequents Fort Campbell, a number of Bigfoot. Not just one, but like a number of different, uh, like like call it a a clan or a tribe or a group of them. And he saw he saw one, but he witnessed he, he heard many uh, the night that Robert was out on Fort Campbell patrolling uh, and one actually charged him and his his fellow officer. Uh, his fellow MP, and they just jumped in the truck and booked it because they weren't going to hang around and wait out to find you know wait to find out what happens. Uh, and it actually it pursued their truck. It hopped a twelve foot fence. He said like it was nothing, um, but it, it apparently got caught on the on the razor wire and it it, it ended up not being able to keep up with the truck. Um, so I don't get a I haven't yet. Um, I would I mean not that I'm not hoping people are going to hope you know not that I'm hoping people have these stories right but. I haven't gotten a lot of cryptid stories compared to the UFOs and ghost stories, um, but maybe as I do more of these more conventional stories, like I, I, I probably am not going to do the uh, the uh, the rock apes, but there's a lizard men story in Vietnam that I really want to do that I find very intriguing based on what I found. So,
1: well, uh, um, hold on a second here. If you're if you're hearing about <laughs> lizard men, we gotta you gotta tease us a little bit with this one. <laughs>
2: It's, it is It is a story. Bedtime Stories did a, an episode on it. They actually had me read it um, because, you know, they wanted to help me kind of get some attention to the channel. And it was, a, it was a Vietnam military. They were like, hey, you're doing war stories. Why don't you just read this one and get some exposure? Um, but I I want to do a deep dive on it because I found some additional material that kind of correlates with the story. Unfortunately, it's one of those stories that you don't really know where it came from. It just seems to have just been passed around the Internet enough that it's been heard of. Um, but there were a, a squad of recon, uh, I believe there were Marines, uh, that were doing a patrol um, looking probably for, you know, Viet Cong camps or hide sites or something like that in the jungle. Um, and along their patrol route, they came across a cave in in the jungle. And... They, the Vietnamese were known for using caves. The Viet Cong, the NVA, they were known for using caves, both under, you know, tunneling underground, having bases basically right below their feet. Um, so caves were highly suspect. Well, they go to inspect a cave, and there's this rancid odor of death coming out of the out of the mouth of this cave, and they're like, you know what, I'm not, I'm not going anywhere near that. Let's post up outside um, and just see if anything comes out, and we'll either shoot it shoot it or take, you know, take these guys hostage, whatever comes out, if it's anything. Um, They post up and sometime before the sun comes up, it ain't Viet Cong to come out of the cave. It's two creatures or beings that are humanoid in shape, but they're not human. They, they, they have a lizard like appearance. Um, They look to be communicating with each other to some degree, but then these things quickly realize that they're not alone and that there is a squad of Marines hiding out in the bushes very close by. Well, these guys just freak out, they open fire on these things. Not sure if they hit any of them. They're plastering the rock wall with uh with fire. The, the 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 these whatever these things are apparently disappear back inside the cave. Um and I I don't know if they set some explosive charges and tried to collapse the cave after the fact, but they did not stay there any longer than they had to uh to find out what these things were. Um, and but, I found that's kind of the main story, but I found other at least two other stories that one from a local man who lives in Vietnam and he's done a lot of exploring around some of the more unexplored cave systems and it really creates this interesting scenario where there's so much unexplored cave space, but some of these caves are so massive they've got their entire they've got an entirely contained ecosystem like clouds will form in the caves. They're so massive. And it if there was something that you couldn't find in the in the Vietnamese jungle, it would make sense that it could be living in a cave like that. So I, I wanted to explore that a little bit. I've got some, some documents piling up. But based on this guy's, this local's testimony, and then their story coming from the Vietnam War, and this guy's story came from like the 90s, um, maybe the, the late 80s, 90s, something like that. So... I'm interested to see what else I'll find on that on that subject. Did you ever get anything on
1: the rock apes?
2: Oh yeah, I mean, not not personally. I haven't had anybody reach out to me say that they saw them. But um, bedtime stories did that did that story in conjunction with other cryptids that were cited. They kind of did the short form version of it. Um, but based on the stories I've read, and I know Mark Felton. Uh, shout out to Mark Felton. He's another YouTube channel. Uh, he, he does, he's, I think he's an English guy and he's got a very pragmatic approach to stories. Well, I did listen to his episode that he did on the rock apes and he goes further than just the Marine Corps stories. Cause you know, those a lot of times get dismissed as just like, as just, yeah, they were smoking too much hash, right? They were doing too much. They were just on drugs or whatever. Um, and then you hear veterans that are like, look, I was in Vietnam for a long time. I don't think drugs were that prolific. So this whole trope that, that, everybody in Vietnam was doing dope is kind of made up. But Mark Felton did a deep dive on like 18th century explorers going and finding like these strange pygmy ape men who could make fire and like, could like do basic human, like, so he did a deep dive and his, his evidence is like the way he did the research is like, wow, okay. These guys just found something that the Vietnamese locals were already aware of. Um, but they just happened to get into some skirmishes with them because they were encroaching on these things territory. Wow. Pretty wild. That is incredibly
1: wild. Luke LaManna is our guest tonight from wartime stories on YouTube. And it's a channel you definitely want to check out for your own. You do a lot of, of stories about, uh, Incidents that happen on the battlefield, you know, and I'm not talking just paranormal incidents, but I'm talking a lot of, you know, true stories that, that go along with it and what the soldiers see. Now, when you go through one of these true stories, which, which ones are you really, really appreciating? Are you looking for that one soldier who stuck out or are you looking for, you know, maybe a platoon that really did something well or are you looking for, you know, the strangeness of it all?
2: I, 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 when I started the channel, I probably didn't have an idea, uh, of what I was really going to shoot for. Um, but I, I, have as a preference and, and maybe just for the value of each story, I like the personal stories. Um, if I can get them, cause not all the need, sometimes you have to do it as like a third person kind of approach to a story Um, and it's, I wouldn't want to rewrite the story to pretend that it was written by a person who was actually there. So they're they're rare and that's, I, I, value them when I can find them, which I, that's kind of the stories I've ended up doing. And maybe I'll run out of them eventually and have to kind of revert back to these sort of, I don't, but I don't like the overview. That's, I mean, you can, there's a lot of YouTube channels and plenty of documentaries where you can learn about why World War II happened and all these things, but like the individual soldier's experience That's what I've, you know, especially with people sharing their personal stories now, of course, like people I can actually reach out to and talk to and follow up with and ask them questions about their stories. Um, But if I can find other stories from like Vietnam or World War Two or or beyond, um, I, I will definitely lean towards those and. Certainly, the stranger experiences. I mean, I, it's not that I, I listen to war veterans talk about their combat experience and, hey, you know, I was getting, I was pinned down by a bunch of German soldiers or Japanese soldiers, buried in a tunnel, and I had to run in with a flamethrower. Like I've listened to those stories, but those aren't the stories I'm going to do. It's, it's, it's kind of a pun. Wartime stories is like bedtime stories. Bedtime stories being kind of the my, the sister, my, my bro, I would call them big brother, big sister channel because I'm the little sister, little brother, whatever you want to call it, but. It's meant to be kind of those creepy campfire, you know, be, you know, stories that'll give you nightmares before bedtime. Uh, so the strange individual stories is what I'll focus on more, right. more than likely. Talk about the ghost blimps. Ghost blimp. Well, thanks for asking because there's probably maybe more I can say on the topic after the fact because um, that was my first story and I just kind of picked it out of. I, I thought an aircraft mystery would be would be cool to start with just to kind of get some some interest in the channel from the first viewers. And uh, so if you don't know the story, um, two Navy pilots. So back up a little bit. If you don't know the full story, the Japanese had subs, submarines, patrolling off of our West Coast, much like the Germans apparently did on the East Coast. And that's not something that I ever saw in the history books uh, that I read in school. But they were patrolling the coastline. and And if it came to the effect that their Navy would make it that far, they would launch an attack. Um, But with the only about 12 subs, I think, in total to their to their fleet Um, after Pearl Harbor. Right. They 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 moved to the the American West Coast. Um, They were just doing kind of skirmishes. Uh, You know, they didn't have a lot of firepower. Obviously, they were just maybe get sinking some some merchant ships, stuff like that. Well, because of the the imminent danger, um, the, the U.S. Navy implemented this blimp program to have patrols of blimps kind of, you know, doing routine uh, up and down the coastline to look down into the water for submarines. And then if they saw them, they'd drop a depth charge or they'd call on an airstrike and they'd, you know, they'd blow the crap out of the submarine. Well, two Navy pilots out of Treasure Island, which was a naval base in San Francisco, they hop on a blimp one morning, routine patrol. Um, there was going to be a third guy that they had to hop out because it was too heavy for the blimp and you know, weight weight restrictions and everything. Well, they float out to the Farallon Islands, which are maybe 30 miles offshore. And they're just going to do like this loop. Where they go out, Farallon Islands, they head north, and then they come back down the coastline. Well, when they get out to the islands, they report seeing an oil slick, like a a spill, an oil spill, which was indicative of potential submarine activity. So they start circling. They're going to check it out. They drop a couple flares in the water to mark where they saw the oil spill and make sure they don't lose the spot. They radio that in, and that's the last thing that anyone ever heard from them. And witnesses on the scene guys there was a there was a naval ship of some kind that was on scene and there was a, a like a fishing vessel that was out there and as soon as they saw this blimp start investigating and drop flares they 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 t- you know hightailed it out because they're not we're not sticking around to wait for a, su- a submarine to surface and to get caught in between a gun battle or or get torpedoed um they, the last thing that they saw was that the, the the blimp was circling the area. It was dropping down low to the water, like they like the pilots were trying to get close enough to see something. And several hours later, this blimp crashes into the beach, uh, Daly City, just outside Daly City, which is just south of San Francisco. Um, nobody's inside of it. Drops one of its torpedoes, ends up lifting back up off the beach, and then as it's leaking. You know the the gas. It slowly just descends, lands in the middle of a, a residential street in the middle of Daly City, and no one can explain what happened to the two pilots. A lot of theories, um, some more bizarre than others. The most simple being they fell out, um, and I and I find that entirely practical. That something went horribly wrong. Usually they would be wearing a harness that would keep them tethered to to the the gondola, the you know the the the, the carriage yeah. underneath the the blimp, um, but. Why would they have both untethered themselves? Under what circumstances would they both have fallen out simultaneously? I mean, it, it's not entirely impossible. It, just user error, but these.
5: It's hurricane season. Flood insurance can help you avoid paying out of pocket for costly damage. It's time to trust your instincts. Get flood insurance and protect the life you've built. Visit floodsmart.gov.
2: Seize the day. Wouldn't you rather freeze it? now you can because now when you order anything off the mcdonald's app you can get a medium frozen drink free like the frozen fanta blue raspberry or wild cherry it's the freeze for all deal now get a free medium frozen drink when you order anything off the mcdonald's app one-time use only through 7 three twenty-two Participate at participating mcdonald's mcdonald's app download and registration required they're experienced pilots so taking it with a grain of salt that they weren't just doing something entirely foolish and just both toppled out into the water and were either killed on impact from the from the long you know the long fall, or possibly because it's shark-infested waters, there's a lot of great white activity, they were killed or eaten by sharks. Um but the issue I had with the story, and this could be a a result of just mistelling the story over years, I went through every documentary I found on it. And there was something that didn't add up. And that was that the the eyewitnesses are reported as watching the blimp fly in a controlled manner away from the Farallon Islands. Like these two boats that were still out there at a distance, they watched the blimp leave. It's not as if it just drifted, you know, lazily like they fell out. It was as if it was being piloted. And then they, they scrambled... Pi- planes to go look for this thing, and these planes apparently reported seeing the blimp flying over the Golden Gate Bridge back toward Treasure Island, only several minutes before it was crashing into the beach. And I, did, and I did an analysis of this in my video, and I said, look, if all of these things happened according to how all of these reports line up and all these reports are accurate, which I, I mean, I can't tell if they're not, why am I getting conflicting information? This craft moved from somewhere over the Golden Gate Bridge, where it was spotted, to a spot several miles southeast, or southwest, over the ocean, where it was spotted again, before cr- then drifting in and crashing into the beach. And the only thing I could, ex- unless it could, the blimp could move that fast, which the, the blimps capability, it would have to be traveling at least a hundred miles an hour and blimps could only move maybe 40, 50, 60 miles an hour tops under perfect conditions. How did that blimp get from one spot to the other? And then, you know, and then start drifting off into the, you know, and where do these two guys go? So I speculated on the idea, maybe a little bit uh, too eagerly on wormholes or, or time jumps or something like that. But If everything happened according to all the information I found, there's no explanation for how that blimp moved from one position to the other, almost instantaneously. Um, And so that's what I found in the story. Most people don't even talk about that part.
1: Luke, just go with what we do here, man. When in doubt, (laughs) always count on the woo to get you into the story. You know, I mean, a lot of people may not agree with that, but for us, it's worked, man. When in doubt, woo it out. (laughs) it works what can i say we've got just under uh two and a half minutes or just over two and a half minutes left with you tonight now i want to say man this has been just a wonderful show you're you're an incredible storyteller and you are someone who i could see very very soon hitting that hundred thousand mark on youtube and and getting your first plaque you're way ahead of us man (laughs) Way ahead of us, you know. How much fun for you is it to work on your own channel and just ride it out and see the responses you're getting from your success?
2: I mean, I'm just grateful that people even watch the show. Um, I, you know, I'm. I, I, you probably you never really get how people see you when you're doing it. So I'm just grateful to have a, a job that I, that I enjoy doing. Sure, I, I, I do get bogged down by it from, at times, and there's a lot of times where I lose a lot of sleep because I'm trying to get an episode done by, by a time frame. Um, but it, I've always, this, this, what I found in this channel, it was either this or a desk job. And I don't think I could, you know, I, I, because of my back injury, I was a recon guy. I wanted to be out in the field. You know, I went to special ops to do a job. I didn't go to do desk work and paperwork and push paper. And that's ultimately uh, what I ended up doing after I injured my back. Um, this, I, this kind of combines, I've always been kind of artsy fartsy and I like drawing and, and doing artwork and stuff. And um, then the narration thing, I thought, what a great way to make a living. Just talk. Perfect. Sign me up. <laughs> like if people are willing to listen to me like great uh so this just ended up kind of combining a lot of interests that i had that wouldn't have, wouldn't have been anything but maybe just hobbies or you know uh useless interests so I'm, I'm very grateful um to have an audience and to have an opportunity to use my uh what i would have considered unremarkable talents to to create something that people enjoy watching
1: well, you I'd like to consider you a good friend of this show now. You've been on a couple of times and and I could guarantee you are going to get an invite back, you know, to come back on and tell more stories on all this new woo that you're finding for your channel. And if we have any, we encourage our listeners to pass it over to you if you if you've served in the military and seen something strange, pass it over to Luke at Wartime Stories over on his YouTube channel, Luke Tell everybody where they can find your channel and your website.
2: Um, yeah, I, I don't, I, YouTube is pretty much where I do all my business now. I do have a Facebook, Instagram, but I, it's really hard to manage all three. So, uh, YouTube, you will find pretty much everything you need to find about the channel. Uh, my contact information is, is on there in the About section. Every video I put up, it's in the description, my email, um, how to get in touch with me. Uh, but the YouTube channel... Just search for wartime stories. Uh, It's got the little Scully, uh, little white Scully logo. You can't miss it.
1: Right on. Luke Lamanna from Wartime Stories on YouTube. Make sure you hit subscribe. Coming up next, we're going to head to the swamp. And then Uncle Dookie from World Bigfoot Radio will be here for the Cryptid Report. We'll be back with Space Out Radio's Hour 3 next. Great job, my friend. Great job. Thank you so much. You bet. Yeah, and I, like I said, I encourage all of our our listeners to come on and uh, and hit subscribe on your channel. So appreciate you taking the time, and we will let you go and get some rest because I know you probably got a lot of editing to do tomorrow, like usual. Oh, yeah.
2: Yeah, yeah, I'm trying I'm trying to get to bed earlier. Usually I'd be up to like 3 a.m. working on audio, but yeah, I'm trying to fix my sleep schedule because it's not healthy. Um. <laughs> I know what that's like,
1: <laughs> trust me. All right, my friend, yeah. you take care, Luke.
2: God bless you guys. Thanks for being here. Thanks again, Dave, for having me.
1: Right on, we'll do it again soon. Luke Lamana, everybody, from Wartime Stories, go hit subscribe on his channel. You definitely want that. I will be right back. You guys can watch Dirty Filth, And his beautiful art of the Loveland Frogman in 72 and whatever he's drawing now. Alright Hello everyone Hey Triple Ack, how you doing? Just look at that Would you look at that? Triple Ack's here Would you look at that? Well isn't that nice would you look at that? Well would you look at that? Triple Ack has arrived. Filth, you're looking dirty tonight, buddy. All right, we got about uh, 30 seconds. So thank you to Thomas times two, dry toast, Hector, Mr. Cowley, Donna, or Donnie, pardon me, uh, Surf Jarre and Nicole for the amazing super chats. Would you look at that? Luscious Jules is looking luscious tonight. Would you look at that? Thank you to everybody who tuned in. Give us a thumbs up, thumbs down, thumbs sideways. Appreciate it. Here we go with our three, everyone. Uh,
4: uh. You like to connect with us? Head to spacedoutradio.com for all your latest show info. Now, back to Dave Scott and SOR.
1: Third and final hour of Spaced Out Radio is now underway. Good to have you with us. My name is Dave Scott. Hope we have enjoyed our listening ears tonight. Listening to this show, we appreciate you. Want to say hello to everyone listening in on our terrestrial affiliates around North America and digitally on Odyssey Radio, talk stream Live, and KPNL. All of our archives are free. Join us at YouTube.com forward slash Spaced Out Radio. Do old Davy the favor, hit that subscribe button. The Desert Clam has set the password for tonight in the SOR Space Travelers Club. Whiskerando, Whiskerando is your password. Use it wisely, Space Travelers, as the Clam sets the password each and every night right here on Spaced Out Radio. Our website is spacedoutradio.com. We have a plethora of features for you. Rock out to Bumblefoot, read Shirky news Newswire, check out our swag as well. Follow us on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio. Instagram at Spaced Out Radio Show and on TikTok at Spaced Out Radio. And now it is time once again where we head to the swamp. Our resident swamp dweller has another spooky story for us.
6: However, I have many stories along with my friends. This is just one of the stories I refused to talk about openly to my friends for many years, until I finally decided to share this spine-chilling story today on the show. The day was Saturday, November 8th, 1986. It was a cold evening in a small town called Stewart, Alabama, southwest of Talladega, Alabama. I was 15 and was walking down what at the time was a small dirt road called White Road with my golden retriever, Jack. The road was significantly more minor back then than it is today, so you would rarely see any cars. However, there is always this one old house, with one half of it made from wood and the other out of bricks. It's a very interesting looking house. It was about 30 or so feet away from the road. And it had a carport with what looked to be a black with a white stripe 1962 model Chevrolet Corvette. The house belonged to a lady who passed away in 1971. Now it belonged to her son, who lived up another mile up the road. I remember about a year or so before this occurred. I asked the man, who was in his 40s, why hasn't anyone gotten the Corvette? This man was excellent. He's given me old fishing lures and a tackle box before. But what he told me still gives me chills to this day. He said, We would, but that Corvette is the same place mom and my aunt died of a heart attack. I remember making a response something along the lines of, I'm so sorry for your loss, or something along those lines. But then I dumbly asked him, So, you want the car to stay in their memory? He responded, No, it's because I do not dare get near that house. I asked him why and he never would tell me. And before I left, he said something like, Stay away from that place. I don't want anyone else getting hurt. After that talk, I didn't even want to go around that house, as I had never really gone around that house but once or twice before. But one day, about a year after this, I decided to walk past it, and my curiosity got the best of me. Jack began to bark and growl, as I had never heard before. He had never done that time. He had also never done that in the times we had walked past it before, but it was different. The whole atmosphere was eerie. It was dark and cloudy that day, and rather cold, and it didn't help that we were surrounded by deep thick woods for miles upon miles, so we were smack dab in the middle of the Alabama wilderness. You see, the area has definitely developed more since then, but is still relatively rural. As it was getting later by the minute, Jack began tugging on his leash so I slowly began walking over toward the house. Jack grew louder and louder the closer he got. Then, when we reached the Corvette, he stopped and started sniffing. I looked to my right to see a door that had fallen over, and I could see halfway into a very dark house with what looked to be a broken mirror at the end of it. Jack walked to the other side of the car and then turned his attention towards the door. It was almost as if everything froze. Jack didn't move for a solid 10 or 15 seconds, before he let out the most profound, loudest growl I had ever heard in my entire life. I have never heard a dog make this noise before. It was so guttural and primal. He never barked, and he continued to growl and slowly began walking to the doorway. What seemed to be about five to ten seconds between each step, he showed every single one of his teeth, with his eyes squinted. He reached the doorway, paused from the growling, and lunged forward with a leaping bark. I almost fell to the ground and barely hung on to his leash. He then barked repeatedly. I ran over to him, only to look up and see a figure in a white dress in that broken mirror, with distorted, wrinkly hands and very twisted long hair. I couldn't see it physically, but only in the mirror. I froze with shock and terror, blinking again and again, but the figure remained there. Blinking again and again, yet the figure remained there. I grabbed Jack's collar and ran off the porch with Jack behind me, back onto the dirt road, and into the wilderness. As everything got dark, I could barely see. After I got to the road, it sounded like two women were yelling, She needs help! I don't remember much after that. I just remember tripping and falling over a wooden bridge that crossed the small creek that I had to go over. I got back up, grabbed Jack's leash, and ran some more. I do not doubt that something would have happened if Jack and I had gone into that house. To this day, I dare not go down that road. Even though the man told me that he would finally demolish the house, I refuse to go anywhere near it. I don't want anyone to have a similar experience. Only you know the words cannot begin to describe the fear when you see or hear a strange figure. Like I said, this place has been developed a bit since then, but it is still very rural and there is still a lot of wilderness around. But I don't know. There's something about that place that was just evil.
1: Wow, another great one from the Swamp Dweller. You can find his channel on YouTube at youtube.com forward slash Swamp Dweller Reads. We bring in another spooky story each and every night here on Spaced Out Radio. And we love it when the Swamp Dweller scares the daylights out of us each and every night. Pun intended. All right, it is that time once again where it's for the cryptid report from world bigfoot radio we got super duke dukey e. sullivan all right. all right super duke Sullivan from World Bigfoot Radio is back for another look at our cryptid report. How you doing there, Super Duke?
4: Doing pretty good. I got my uh, research assistant up there north of me doing the boots on the ground, taking a look into that story with little Mr. 3-year-old Riker that disappeared for two days and then showed up again. And they said that he was found in a shed. The shed was apparently at least a mile from the house, and it was some sort of a power transformer shed or something and how this three-year-old managed to find his way there and get in this thing and dogs couldn't find his trail there again still finding this story highly implausible
1: well it was either human or something else
4: yeah and if it was human you know they would have probably just taken off of the kid not put him safely in a
5: it's another hurricane season And right about now, residents are busy fortifying their nests against damage. This year, they're preparing with flood insurance. They've learned it's the extra layer of protection that prevents them from paying out-of-pocket or pouch for costly repairs. You too should trust your instincts this season. Get flood insurance and protect the life you've built. Visit floodsmart.gov. Gorgeous gaming,
2: stunning streams, unbelievable bandwidth. Welcome to another Lifestyles of Gagillionaires. Meet the at t Fiber customers winning at life with Hyper Gig Speeds. Say hello to the Walkers, a family of not one but four gagillionaires, each living up their gagillionaire life at ludicrous internet speed. First up, Anna Walker. She dominates streaming like the matriarch she is. No show ever goes unwatched under her watch. Next episode. Next up, Peter Walker. There's no stopping this dad bod from showing up to his virtual workout sessions. Let's go leg day. And finally, the Walker twins. They may look alike, but couldn't internet more differently. Harry dominates his fellow online gamers while Heather group video chats with friends.
6: Ooh, nice background filter, Jess.
2: Live like a gagillionaire. Get internet that upgrades everything. AT&T Fiber. Now with speeds up to 5 gigs limited availability in select areas speed's not guaranteed single device wire speed max 4.7 gig per second visit att.com/hypergate for details
4: Chad and left him there so very peculiar and if you look go look at the picture of that kid as he's sitting there in that paramedic wagon and they're like oh he looks like he's just fine look more closely at his face and how big his eyes are and the expression on his mouth he doesn't look happy he looks like he's in shock he
1: does look like he's in shock And so let's give a breakdown for listeners who may not know what we're talking about. About a week and a half ago, there was a three-year-old boy in the state of Montana who went missing from his yard for two days. They found him. He was a little cold, a little scared, and hungry, and of course thirsty, but not a mark on him. Not a mark on him. And this story has a lot of the same type of information that a story from a couple of years ago about a, a four-year-old boy uh, in, or, or pardon me a two was two three-year-old boy in North Carolina who went missing in the winter and said that a big teddy bear kept him warm for the two days he was two days he was gone and then found with unscathed in a briar patch and they were going through winter the kid would have had hypothermia or some sort of uh effectiveness from the cold and he was found in an area where the searchers had already looked. So Duke, there's a lot of similarities here, man.
4: And keeping in mind that winter there is very similar to spring here, temperature wise, they're having temps in the mid and upper thirties and it was raining when the kid was missing. So he definitely should have got wet and got hypothermia. And here little Mr. Riker, they had temperatures in the low forties and raining the whole time he was missing. So same thing. He should have gotten soaked to the bone and had hypothermia and not made it past the second night. So yeah, okay, so he was in a shed. So that's why he didn't freeze. Well, how did the three-year-old find his way there and get himself in it? Could even reach the handle?
1: How would he know to head that direction?
4: Exactly. If he's just randomly wandering around, how did he happen to find the one place that would keep him from freezing to death overnight? I
1: don't get it. I do not get it, my man. It does not add up,
4: but I have my uh, number one man, Michael Matt, up there. He's uh, boots on the ground. He's only about 20 miles away, and as soon as he gets a chance, he's going to run out and take a look at both locations and give his appraisal on it. I mean, the area is pretty uh, heavily wooded from what I can see. So there's definitely places he could be wandering around. But again, the the, the whole thing with uh, the dog teams couldn't find him. Uh, Apparently, there was a delay with the parents calling because they were sheepish about, "Oh, oh, we let the kid wander away. But that's pretty irrelevant for, you know, train tracking dogs. As soon as they get the scent, they'll be able to follow the kid wherever he went to. So that's very, very strange. And uh, actually, I'm going to be seeing Michael here shortly this coming weekend, not this one, but the following one. We're going to be, again, for the first time in a couple of years, going to the ghost town of Coloma and doing some more follow-up research there. Springtime, there's a lot more Sasquatch activity up there than there is later on in the summer, more food sources and whatnot. And uh, there's less tourists that want to hang around up there, too. So we should have the place pretty much to ourselves like we usually do and we get lots of activity. And that was a place that I brought uh, Kevin Lang to when he got a chance to meet Glag again, was at the ghost town of of Coloma. And then we've got a lot of other stuff coming up here. And we're planning one trip for sort of, uh, I think it's toward the middle of August where uh, the ruddy one himself, Nate Rudd is coming over and we're going to be doing some research and we're hoping we can uh, lure you down here for that one, Dave.
1: Yeah. That's the one that makes me want to climb a mountain where there's grizzly bears and, and other things that want to kill me um, and that I might Yeah, have. There's,
4: there's no grizzly bears in my research area. The Sasquatch keep them out of there. It's nice and safe. Yeah, you but it's like 42
1: miles here. uphill
4: <laughs> on foot. No, it's not on foot. If it was, I couldn't get there. I'm disabled. You got to be able to drive in. That's why you have to be smart and not uh, consistently working all the time. Work smart, not hard. Figure well, out where they are. Then drive there.
1: Well, you know what, either don't be surprised if uh, one way or another, I I get down there for that Duke. uh, One question about Michael, your your insider who's looking into this story about this, about this little boy Riker is, uh, has there been anything released regarding anything different about this case yet?
4: He hasn't seen anything locally, and he's been checking the scuttlebutt on the uh, Internet for the locals and stuff, too. And they don't seem to think it's like any mm, too much out of the ordinary weird thing. They do think it's a weird thing, but most of them aren't leaning in the direction of, you know, a cryptid took them or something like that. I saw uh, something on a YouTube channel earlier today where somebody else had done a look at it because somebody told him to go look at it and he didn't have much of anything other than the information that I just gave you you guys tonight, which Mike has already confirmed for me. But, uh, yeah, the whole thing seems kind of peculiar. And just, you know, look at the look on that kid's face in that picture. You know, he's not <laughs> – he don't look happy to be rescued. He looks like he's in shock. His eyes are huge.
1: Well, let's see if Mike's the type of guy who will go knock on their door in a couple months when everything is settled down because I <clears> – <throat> I just want to to believe there is something more to this that we are missing. And it may, might be my own hope, but I, I'm hoping.
4: Well, it ain't that far away from him, so he's going to go over there and take a look at it You know, from the on-the-ground standpoint, whether he interviews the parents or not. He can go right to where their house is, and he can go right to where the kid was found. Draw his own conclusions.
1: Right. You know, Brown Dwarf actually brings up an interesting comment in our chat room. The boy's eyes look like what David Politis describes when kids are found.
4: Yep. Yep. That's kind of why I'm making an issue out of it. For those of you that are interested, go take a look at that kid. And that's not, uh, I'm so happy to be found. That's like, ah!
1: (laughs) Yeah. The kid looks traumatized. And granted, any child would from being lost in the woods at that age. I mean, the child is going to need counseling. Let's let's be honest. You know, that that's scary. The nightmares are going to last for years for that child.
4: Mm-hmm. That's just if it was a normal situation.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> thank you for the update on that, Duke. And uh, we really appreciate it. Uh, very much so. And I know you're going to keep on top of that one.
4: I will be. There's a whole lot of stuff coming up here this summer. And like I said, uh, Nate Rudd's coming over. I've got several luminary researchers from the South coming up. Uh, William Lunsford's coming up again. And he'll be on my show tomorrow. I'm putting out a short subject where I got Eric the Adventurer, who was also up here with uh, mm-hmm. William when he was here, was down there visiting him last December yeah, and was with him when he was at Boggy Creek. And this is the Falk Monster Hunter on the ground, boots on the ground at Boggy Creek. And what he's doing is checking an area where there's not only are there Sasquatch, but there's way too many wild pigs. And the feral hogs are all over the place. So the local uh, game uh, wilderness people, or, you know, what are DNR, whatever they call them down there, they have set up these traps to trap the wild pigs. And then when the wild pigs get stuck in the trap, they show up and they... Trank it or shoot it or haul it away, whatever they get rid of the wild pig. And now, as William will tell everybody about, <laughs> recently they've been showing up to this, these traps, and clearly they were triggered, and there was a pig in them, but somehow there's no pig in them. Somebody's picking up the pigs and taking them away before they can get there and do something about the pigs that they've been trapping. <laughs> and we got a pretty good idea who that is that's getting free bacon dinner all the time. Thanks to the DNR, Trapping Pigs. Your guest earlier tonight was talking about stuff in Vietnam. And uh, that, you know, I've heard lots and lots of those stories because I'm just barely old enough that uh, I wasn't included in the draft in Vietnam. It ended just shortly before I became old enough to go over there. So I've got lots of friends that are a little bit older than me that told me all kinds of hair-raising stories about things that happened over there. And one thing that does come through that they will tell you that you generally they don't talk in you know regular people about it is the rock ape thing and there were quite a few sightings of rock apes over there and it seemed like there was this one central area that the people didn't really live in, but because militaries have to be thorough about grabbing all the land in an area, it necessitates you move in a military force to grab this isolated area of land in the middle of nowhere so the enemy can't get it. Well, guess who lives in this isolated area of land? The rock apes, and they don't like either side intruding. So they had very hostile and aggressive behavior toward both sides, apparently. And there was one area where they had built a base out there to use a helicopter area, for bringing people back and forth predominantly, and they were having trouble holding it because the enemy kept coming in and uh, mortaring them and attacking them whatnot. And so at night, they would have to send a sniper out, and they had, you know, blown up this whole giant area around where the base was to clear away all of vegetation and everything to make uh, clear lines of sight so people couldn't easily sneak up on the base. But nonetheless, at night, they would try and sneak through this blasted wasteland and crawl up close enough to the base to get, you know, uh, Viet Cong snipers up there and shoot troops that they could see moving around. So we had to have counter snipers that we would send a ways out from the base into the darkness to sit in the blasted wasteland and watch to see if any other snipers were coming from the enemy side, crawling carefully and silently through the blasted wasteland to get close enough to take a shot. And several times this one guy reported that he heard these guys literally get ambushed by something and they would start screaming and then their screams would just be cut off. Something would kill them. And for a while, he thought it was tigers that were getting them, that tigers had figured out that there's these idiots that crawl around in this blown-up area every night, and they're really easy to get, until the second or third one happened where he actually got a visual on this guy jumping up and trying to run and this huge ape-like thing grabbing him and smacking him against the ground like you're whapping a fish on the edge of a boat and just taking them out, and then taking off with them. So um, he was not at all sure what was going on there. But whatever it was, he didn't want to get very far away from the base in the dark there, and he was paying even more closer attention to what was sneaking around there. Apparently this this happened several times uh, just to this one particular guy while he was out there.
1: No kidding. No kidding, man. Brutal. I mean, not only to be in the brutal juggles of Vietnam, but battling the NVA, the Vietnamese army and <laughs> s- s- Sasquatch type creatures. Yeah, and there's,
4: and there's big ape-like monsters out here too that don't like either side being here and aren't, aren't very happy about it. There had several reports where uh, marine recon teams got jumped by them and they ended up having firefights with them, you know, and guys got hurt and or killed and I'm sure they, you know, chalked it up to some other thing that happened to them while they were out there fighting. But uh, they had to drive them away with heavy gunfire. And, uh, you know, there was one group that got followed by them for a couple days. They were very unhappy with them until they got out of their territory. They wouldn't leave them alone. And they didn't want to shoot at them because they could, after the first time they fought with them, they could tell they weren't enemy troops they didn't have guns to shoot back with. They would just, like, ambush them and grab them and snap their necks or throw rocks at them or something like that, you know. Or they'd all rush them at once and pound the crap out of them. So the problem here is that if you keep shooting at these damn apes, you're giving away your position to the enemy troops. Now they can find you because you're shooting. So they don't want to shoot these things. They're trying to get them to leave them alone without shooting at them. See, and both sides are having this problem.
1: My goodness. My goodness. That, that, that is creepy, man. That is totally, totally creepy
4: cryptids at war you know and your guest earlier tonight mentioned mark felton excellent channel i saw that episode he was talking about and probably the only reason i found it is because i'm a world war ii nut and i love tank stuff and that's mostly what mark felton does on his channel it's excellent check it out but yeah he does these deep dives into this stuff and he kept getting these weird reports and he went i need to go take a closer look at this is there anything really to this and yeah he went back and then, like uh, your your guest was saying earlier all the way back to the 1700s french and other people that were in the area were reporting this
1: super duke sullivan from world bigfoot radio will return with the cryptid report when we get back from this commercial break you're listening to Space out radio my name is dave scott and we're having a lot of fun tonight so stick around the final half hour is next Hi, Terry Brown. Hi, Andrew and Tina Spears. Hi, Super Duke.
4: Hey, Dave. (laughs) I got scary Bigfoot stories from the Deep South after this. And I also got a giant story from Vietnam that I could tell, too.
1: All right. We'll have about uh, just under 20 minutes for you.
4: No problemo. Yeah. Yeah. I also I also have interesting guests coming up here soon, luminary in the UFO community, very very well known, has never come forward and talked about his Bigfoot sighting. Oh wow! Ever? Yep. You'll like that one, Dave. That Take does time.
1: sound cool. <laughs> that does sound very cool. Very cool. All right. Super Duke, just stepping away there. Let's take a look at Dirty Filth's art tonight, shall we? Well, Dave gets a download of Gibberish from the Tic Tac. My eyes are bulging. And uh, I see we got I was downloaded with some binary code. And then the Loveland Frogman. From 1972, he's looking lonely and sad because nobody will pull over and, you know, share a cocktail with him. Hey, Wham Bam Ham, how you doing? The dirteth, filtheth, producing some fantastic art once again here on Spaced Out Radio. Mm Mm-hmm. For some reason, Filth's microphone isn't working tonight. So he's having to uh, be quiet tonight. But if you are lucky, before the end of the show, before Dirty Filth leaves, he may show us his chest hair. And I know Bombshell Bomber and Christine would love to see that. Excuse me. Mm -hmm. Karen Hill, thank you. First time listener. Well, thank you for subscribing. Very much appreciate that. Very much appreciate that, Karen Hill. You can be a regular. We are here seven days a week for your listening entertainment. Seven days a week. Perfect. Mm. Hmm.
3: Hmm.
1: There's gorgeous Paula W., We got one minute, guys. One minute. I want to say a big thank you tonight to Get Off My Lawn, Thomas Times 2, Dry Toast, Hector, Mr. Cowley, Donnie, Surf, Jaren, Nicole for the awesome super chats. We very much appreciate the love, everyone. Thank you to everyone who has given us. The thumbs up or thumbs down tonight. Very much appreciate it. Thank you to all the veterans who have tuned on in. And, of course, hi, gorgeous Angel Wings. Of course, we also have uh, our store at SpacedOutRadio.com where we have a plethora of features for you hanging out there. So make sure you go check that out. We've got some great swag for you. And uh, here we go, everyone. We've rounded third. We're heading for home tonight on Spaced Out Radio. Good to have you with us. My name is Dave Scott. Very much appreciate burning your listening ears. want to remind you that if you missed most of this show or others, check out our free archives at youtube.com forward slash Spaced Out Radio. Do old Davey the favor. Hit that subscribe button. Our website is spacedoutradio.com. We have a plethora of features for you. Rock out to Bumblefoot, read Shirky Poos, Newswire, check out our swag as well. Follow us on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio, Instagram at Spaced Out Radio Show, and on TikTok at Spaced Out Radio. For the final time tonight, we bring in El Duketh from World Bigfoot Radio. We have the man, the myth, and the legend all tied into one, Super Duke Sullivan, the big host of WBR. How you doing there, Super Duke?
4: With impeccable timing, I'm back right as you need me on the air.
1: <laughs> oh, you heard me delay there for a couple of seconds. You're lucky I have a plethora of adjectives to explain who you are.
4: Say plethora again so people can get drunker.
1: Yeah. Yes, plethora, <laughs> plethora. is our drinking plethora. word.
4: You got that So in right. addition to the uh, the horrible problems with the other... Things in the Vietnamese jungle, which include, you know, venomous centipedes up to three feet long, snakes that can bite you. And-
0: What's the big deal, deal? Where can you get pizza, bread twists, specialty chicken and more for just $5.99 each? Is it at Domino's?
5: He hands off hand toss pizza and a marble cookie
3: brownie. He's going, going, going!
1: There's a lot of variety on the radio and
0: at Domino's, too, where you can... This
3: and-
0: Two item minimum. Pan piece of bone and wings and bread bowls will be extra. Ask for this limited time offer. Prices, participation, delivery area, and charges may vary.
6: <sighs> goodbye, bench press. Adios, squat rack. Fair thee well, kettlebell. Hey, Kellen, need a spot? No, Jake from State Farm. I'm just saying goodbye to my pricey gym membership. What? Don't give up what you love. State Farm has options like insuring your home and ride with great rates on both. Nice. Hey, can I buy you a protein shake or a granola bar? For surprisingly great rates, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Call or go to statefarm.com for a quote today. Make your drop dead
4: instantly. Occasional tigers that will eat you. And, of course, the rock apes. There was one other report that came out that Wes Germer from Sasquatch Chronicles caught. And the guy was in really bad shape. He was dying of cancer and he wanted to tell somebody the story. Whether they believed it or not, before he died, and apparently he was with a group that was sent to go to a Vietnamese village isolated, and they were pretty aware that the Viet Cong had already taken it over, which is bad news because you know, like, how do you how do you know who to shoot at? And sometimes the villages didn't <laughs> didn't want to have anything to do with the Viet Cong, but you know, if the Viet Cong come in and take over your village, you better play it nice; or they're going to kill you. No two ways about it. So these guys, you know, they they have the fearsome reputation out of all the forces that they were fighting against. So, And they were also, you know, thought it was kind of peculiar that they got to have a tank with them. But, yeah, hey, we got a tank with us. So that's extra cool. All we got to do is go capture this village, and we got a tank with us. So when they get to the village, they get ready to attack. The Viet Cong figure out that they're there, and the Viet Cong come out with their arms up and surrender. They went, what the... Uh, bleep is going on here and of course one of them can speak Vietnamese really well so he starts interrogating them and they said uh we need your help and they went what yeah there's these other things here that are trying to kill everyone and we can't we can't kill them we need your help and before they could even explain fully what was happening what they needed the help with came out of the jungle which is apparently two giants In the 15-foot range, one of them grabbed one of the local villagers, promptly bit him in half, and started chewing on the upper half while it was walking around with the other lower half trying to grab a second villager. At this point, all of the assembled U.S. military forces decided that they didn't need any further instructions on what to do and opened up on the giants. And according to the descriptions, the only reason that they managed to take them down is because they had the tank with them. That's what killed them. And as soon as they reported all this stuff back again, Base said, well, we got another problem for you guys to go deal with. About two clicks away from there, there's a cave with more of them. At which point, he basically disobeyed orders and said, forget it. I'm not going there. We lost too many guys in this, and you're insane. And why didn't you tell us these things were here? No kidding.
1: No kidding, man. Holy cow. Holy cow. Yeah.
4: So- there's your horrifying man-eating giant report from the deep Vietnamese jungles in the Vietnam War. Fun, fun, fun. Wow. <laughs> so let's switch to uh, somewhat less horrifying yes. reports. Let us from switch. From here in North America where we have nice, cuddly, friendly Sasquatch that never does anything mean, ever, right? Well, this one's from the south here. It's called Old Man Early's Tug of War. Old Man Early had about 900 acres on the South Catawba River close to Morganton, North Carolina. All he ever did was raise hogs and hunt deer. One afternoon, after he had enough of feeding hogs and listening to his missus nag at him, he decided to get in his pickup and go shoot him a buck. He had left plenty of corn out close to the thick rhododendron bushes on the north end of his property and figured it was high time to get that eight-point buck that was pawing up the ground there, marking his territory. He climbed out of his pickup at about four thirty p.m., around a hundred yards from his deer baiting area, and just settled down behind a blind he had built. Not long after he got settled in, he heard and saw the biggest buck he had ever laid eyes on. He slowly tightened his thirty his grip on his 30 Winchester, placed his finger on the trigger, and scoped in for the kill shot. Old Man Early was a crack shot, and when he felt for sure, boom! The big buck dropped graveyard dead and only kicked a few times before there was no movement at all. Early put his gun in his pickup, put on his gloves, and was ready to drag the deer back to the truck to claim his prize. As he approached the deer, he heard a rustling in the bushes behind the big buck. He did not think too much about it and just reached down to get the back legs of the deer and to drag it. he had only dragged the deer about five feet when he felt the deer pull him back in the opposite direction. Surely, he thought... Something was just not right here. He slowly turned and saw a large black figure and two black hairy hands pulling on the deer's antlers, dragging in the opposite direction. Early did not want to give up that easy. He tugged again, thinking he was dreaming that this was not real. It was the last thing Early remembered. He woke up at one o'clock the next morning, naked. All his clothes had been ripped off him, except for one sock and one of his boots it was still on. He crawled to his pickup, called for help, and was treated for a mild concussion. Despite many bruises and cuts to his body, he was released the next day from Catawba Medical Center in Morganton. Early did not want to talk to authorities about his encounter and only discussed it with a few of his old deer hunting buddies. When he went back to his property, he found where something had dragged the deer high on the mountain ridge, placed the deer off the ground in a huge oaks tree, and had eaten both hindquarters off clean to the stump. Old man early never set foot in the woods again. Now he just stays at home with his wife and still raises hogs. And we also have the story of the ape man of Buck Creek here. Buck Creek runs in another set of mountains uh, the, near the Blue Ridge Parkway and Curtis Creek. He, uh, got this. Re- the author here got the report from a, a woman nearby. She said her friend had just got back from World War II as a highly decorated veteran and had a reputation as a great hunter in and around McDowell County. He had heard the story of a monstrous type ape that lived behind a waterfall up Buck Creek. Buck Creek starts the parkway and winds up its way toward Lake Tahoma, where all of the uh, more affluent people live. The man's name was Buck, and interesting, of course, Buck had been killing all sorts of enemy troops in World War II, so he decided he was going to go in and kill this demon that people said lived behind the falls at Buck Creek. It had been rumored the monster was running hunters out of the area for some time now, and of course, Buck's ego, unfortunately, was bigger than his butt. The woman did not want me to suffer the same fate as Buck, so she actually warned me away from this area and as in the, (laughs) the purpose of trying to help me says the author. She said, Buck went into the area and did not come out. They sent in a hunting party the next day and found Buck's gun had fired off several rounds, but there was no blood from anything. Only Buck's head was found on the ground. They never retrieved his body. Apparently, something had bitten or ripped his head off. Anyway, that didn't sound like a good place to me, so I didn't go research it, he says. (laughs) Um uh, honeymoon for the neighbors. My goodness. This one is interesting. A honeymoon story. My sister told me an interesting story about a young couple who moved about two miles from here on a mountain on the other side of Highway 70. It was their honeymoon evening. The week before they had a small bulldozer push in a road and flatten out a place for a double wide trailer. Everything was so romantic. Other dreams were coming true. They had bought an acre at a rock-bottom price, had a new home, and to top it off, a new life with each other. When they arrived, Jimmy didn't pay much attention to the old woman who lived nearby on the mountain. When she told him there were all kinds of varmints in those woods, he just kind of laughed. After all, he'd only asked her about the deer hunting on the mountain, although it did seem to him that her answer was a little weird. That evening was so perfect for the two of them. They had just gotten married. There was a small fire burning in the fireplace. They had a bottle of chilled champagne And Jimmy had just finished making love to his new bride. All they could hear was a few crickets singing out a new melody to them. They were in love in their new home and with their home and with each other. Then terror came seemingly from nowhere, like an evil dance by a witch doctor. Melanie looked at Jimmy. Jimmy, there's something scratching on our bedroom wall. Honey, do you hear it? Yeah, I hear it. But what in God's name is that? We don't have any flashlight or outdoor lights, and I ain't going to go out there by myself to see what it is. The scratching got louder and more distinct, like it was made by something hard and rigid. Suddenly, it seemed like it was coming from up and down the whole length of their new trailer house. Then it stopped abruptly and lapsed into silence for about two minutes. Relaxing, Jimmy said, It's all right. It's probably just a dog. Melanie was relieved and kissed Jimmy on the cheek. But then the terror from hell came back with a vengeance, this time pushing on the walls. The entire trailer house was moving back and forth. They watched in horror as The walls slowly buckled and cracked. Something was pushing on them. The sheetrock by the edge of the bed split. The whole bedroom window and frame came crashing down at the foot of their bed, pushed in from the outside. Jimmy ran down the hall just as a pair of hairy ape-like hands withdrew from the gaping hole where the window had been a moment before in the name of God, help me. He yelled after 30 minutes of prayer, crouch in the bathtub. They mustered the courage to leave and rent a motel room. They never lived there after that and only went back to get their things and have their mobile home removed.
1: Why does this stuff always happen to people in mobile homes?
4: Well, everything likes mobile homes, you know, um, uh, that's like a yummy, yummy snack if you're a tornado. Tornadoes love to eat mobile home parks. Oh, I, I don't know. know if you ever noticed that. Yeah. They always home in on them. <laughs> Over preference of any other nearby snack food, tornadoes will attack mobile home parks.
1: Oh, I hear you. I hear you. It just doesn't make sense. It doesn't make well, sense. I got another
4: short one here. Do we have enough time?
1: We have about four minutes. Four to five okay. minutes. We can,
4: get, we can get through this one. This one's from down in the Big Thicket in Texas. And uh <clears throat> scary scary. Back in the early nineteen twenties when they first laid the oil pipeline through Texas, Mr. Petrie had a job horseback riding along the way of cleared uh the right-of-way cleared from the woods to check the pipeline for leaks. And of course we still do that today, we just don't horseback ride it. At the time, this is the best way to do the job, and he was the first to do it in these parts. One time, he was a few miles west of the Cuncey-Sour Lake Highway, not far from where the pipeline crosses Little Pine Island Bayou, when his horse started to act funny. It was getting fidgety, wide-eyed and nervous, like it was sensing some nearby danger, and it started to buck. Petrie was about to lose control of his horse, so he dismounted and tried to calm it down. The horse bolted away from him and headed off down the pipeline. It only got about 20 yards when something came out of the woods and grabbed it. The thing looked like a huge hairy man over seven feet tall. It was naked and completely covered with long shaggy hair like an ape, and had a barrel chest. While Petrie watched in terror, the monster wrapped its enormous arms around his horse, twisted its head, and broke its neck. mister Bazan said her father was never able excuse me, Miss Bazon said her father was never able to forget the terrified whinnies and cries from the horse. Naturally he feared for his own life, but after the horse was dead the thing didn't threaten him. It just turned and stared at him before it dragged a horse into the woods. This gave him a chance to get a good look at it. There was no mistaking what he in his horror had seen with his own two eyes. And finally, in the mid-1990s, when this young man, Chris, was in his middle school and his family lived in a mobile home on land they owned out in the Trinity swamps, his parents were usually up and off to work before dawn. And Chris would have about an hour to get up after they left and get ready to go to school. One morning after his parents had left, and about five minutes after he woke up, he heard a loud bang on the side of the trailer, again the trailer, toward the front. He could not imagine what could have delivered such a blow, which literally shook the entire trailer house. He got up to investigate and walked toward the front of the trailer from his bedroom and back. As he passed a window in the kitchen, he could hear something outside making a commotion in the dark. Slowly he pulled back the mini-blinds and found himself staring face-to-face, with what he described as a hairy man-shaped being with huge glowing yellow eyes. Stunned with terror, he dropped to the floor and crawled back to his bedroom, where he grabbed his shotgun and lay in his bed clenching it, fearful the creature might try to break into the trailer, and doubtful whether his gun was a big enough gauge to stop it. When daylight finally came, he cautiously went outside, still clenching his shotgun, and found evidence something had been there. There were no prints, but the ground was disturbed. Judging from the height of the kitchen window and the fact the trailer was set about two and a half feet off the ground, Chris estimates the thing he saw had to be close to seven feet tall.
1: Wow. Wow. That's just crazy talk right there. Just And those
4: stories, talk. thanks to uh, Tom Burnett and Rob Riggs in the book Bigfoot, who chronicle a lot of the uh, encounters and stuff down in the Deep South and Texas area. Interesting book.
1: Well, that is very interesting, Super Duke. Thank you for another incredible report tonight on the UFO, oh, probably on the cryptid report. And we will talk to you in a couple nights' time, my friend.
4: <laughs> yep, see you back here on Thursday, guys.
1: All right, there's Super Duke for World Bigfoot Radio. Let's get to Shirky Poos news, shall we?
3: What?
6: It's time for Shirky Poo's
1: News. All right, Shirky Poo's News. Coming in strong. Coming in hot. All right, China says its giant Sky Eye telescope may have picked up signs of alien civilizations, according to a report by the State backed Science and Technology Daily, which then appeared to have deleted the report and the posts about it. The narrow-band electromagnetic signals detected by Sky Eye, the world's largest radio telescope, differ from previous ones captured, and the team is further investigating them. The report said, citing Zhang Tongji, chief scientist of the extraterrestrial civilization search team that is co-founded by Beijing Normal University the National Astronomical Observatory of the Chinese Academy of Sciences, and the University of California, Berkeley. It isn't clear why the report was apparently removed from the website of the Science and Tech Daily, the official newspaper of China's Science and Tech Ministry, though the news had already started trending on the social network Weibo and was picked up by other media outlets as well. In September 2020, SkyEye, which is located in China's southwest Jizhou uh, province, has a diameter of 500 meters and officially launched a search for ET life. The team detected two sets of suspicious signals in 2020 while processing data collected in 2019 and found another su- suspicious signal here in 2022, from observation data of exoplanet targets. Zhang said, China's sky eye is extremely sensitive in the low-frequency Radio Man and plays a critical role in the search for alien civilizations. Let's move on here. As, here's a weird one. The FBI either lied to a federal judge about having a video of its secretive 2018 dig for Civil War-era gold, or illegally destroyed the video to prevent a father-and-son team of treasure hunters from gaining access to it, an attorney for the duo asserted in new legal filings that allege a government cover-up. The FBI has long insisted its agents recovered nothing of value when they went looking for the fabled gold cash. But Finders Keepers, a treasure hunting company that led agents to the remote woodland site in Pennsylvania in hopes of getting a finder's fee, suspect the FBI found tons of gold and made off with it. After Finders Keepers began pressing the government for information about the dig, the FBI initially said it could produce 17 relevant videos. Then, without explanation, the FBI reduced that number to four. Last week, under court order, the agency finally revealed what it said were the contents of those four videos. And it turns out, all had been provided to the FBI by Finders Keepers co-owner Dennis Parada himself, weeks before the dig at a time when he was offering his evidence of the buried treasure. The FBI did not say it had any video of the actual excavation, which is what Finders Keepers is seeking. The treasure hunters say that they have evidence the FBI did indeed shoot video of the dig, and they are seeking sanctions against the FBI for what their lawyer cast as a blatant bad faith effort to mislead. On March 13, 2018, Parada's hidden trail camera captured what appeared to be an FBI agent in front of the video camera at a hillside on the dig site, while other agents in the background uh, were there as well. The trail cam image was included in the legal filing late Friday by lawyer Ann Weisman, who represents Finders Keepers, in its Freedom of Information Act lawsuit against the government. Wow. Hmm. Well, let's move on here. Morning commuters at a Glasgow-Scotland train station were surprised to find themselves joined by a young bull that escaped from a nearby farm. Scott Rail said in a Twitter post that the bull wandered to the platform at Paul O'Shaw's West Station. The railway operator shared the CCTV images of the wayward bovine hanging out around a glass shelter on the platform He came in, ate some plants, had a wee wander, licked his reflection in the shelter, and then made his way back to the field. Well, at least he didn't get away with it. And moving on, here's a good one. Let's end it on a good note. There's a lot of bad going on in the world. The graduating class of New Orleans made national headlines when they collectively were accepted into college. Every graduating senior at St. Augustine High School has been accepted to college, and that's not all. The class also earned a combined $9.2 million in scholarship offers. The school's director of uh, communications and marketing, Mel Cordier, said 99 graduates in the class will enroll in a college or university. One graduate is entering the military ranks. A clip was posted by a mom of one of the seniors as the kids celebrated in full cap and gown. The mom said, it's late, but I don't care. The world deserves to see this boy and his joy. Congratulations to every student in the graduating class who got a scholarship we got Mr. Ron Bumblefoot Thaw rocking in the background with Little Brother is watching. Bumblefoot is the official music of Spaced Out Radio, rocking us in and out of every single show. Get your horns up for the guitar god himself. Special thanks to everybody listening in at home, at work, in your cars, wherever you may be. Thank you to everyone in our chat rooms tonight, YouTube, Twitch, Elgab, Facebook, the Space Travelers Club, and on Twitter at hashtag SpacedOutRadio. Remember, this show is copyrighted by Space Radio and SOR Media Ventures Limited. Thank you so much for choosing to share your evening with us, because together, my friends, we're
5: watching.
1: We own the night, Mr. Fumblefoot. We need a favor. We need you to take us home. Yes, the Woo train has docked for the night. But soon, my friends, we shall ride again. Your seats are always available. Your tickets Never expire. And if you want to bring a friend, we've got room for them too. Good night.
0: What's the big deal? deal? Where can you get pizza, bread twists, specialty chicken, and more for just $5.99 each? Is it at Domino's?
5: He hands off hand-tossed pizza and a marble cookie brownie.
3: He's going, going, going! Oh,
1: There's a lot of variety on the radio and at Domino's,
0: too, where you can... Mix and match, two or more,
3: 5 each at Domino's.
0: Two-item minimum pan pizza, bone-in wings, and bread bowls will be extra. Ask
1: for this limited time offer. Prices, participation, delivery area, and charges may vary.
3: Each of us has a purpose. We are destined to do something meaningful. You earned your graduate degree online while balancing the demands of work and being there for your family, young and old. You're their anchor of strength through good days and bad. This Father's Day, celebrate with the ones you love the most. What did you think a private Christian education looks like? Happy Father's Day from Grand Canyon University. Find your purpose. Visit gcu.edu.